603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Matt. And Nikki. Ooh, got to turn Matt down a little bit there. Got to turn my earphones up, too. I can hear. Okay, I can do that. There we go. All right. All right. Lots of stuff to talk about here tonight. Uh, just got back from the cryptocurrency meetup here in town at Keene, New Hampshire's wonderful little uh, spot called Little Zoe's Pizza, which accepts cryptocurrency. And super delicious pizza delicious. there. Delicious. So delicious. Delicious. I had to force myself to stop. I know. Because we, we, so we got the garlic knots tonight as well Ooh, as those the those are good, too. Uh, you just got to go yeah. overboard. You know, when you walk, into a, you walk into a pizzeria and they have racks and racks of fresh-growing yeah. parsley inside their building. And outside, like actually. It, they got, oh, they have it outside, too? During the, that time of year, yeah. They got a bunch of stuff outside. Yeah, man, their pizza is so good. You know, when I first moved to New Hampshire from New York, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> I knew the, the the pizzas I eat pizza. You mean the scene in New Hampshire sucks oh as far God, as pizzas. It's it's not very good. There's yeah. one chain called Ramuntos that kinda comes close to the mark and is better than mm. most of the other places. Ramuntos not bad. But then I found little Zoe's and it is it, it is artisan usually when I hear artisan pizza, it makes me stop and think, <laughs> Oh, this is gonna be snobby and awful. Mm-hmm. But no, it's delicious. They make their own dough every morning from sourdough. It's like so consistent and delicious and they take it really seriously. And they're not snobby people. They're really down to earth. Oh, really. yeah. They're, they're super cool. They're free yeah. staters. And they're not Basically, even yeah. paying us to say these things. No, this is I, all yeah. genuine. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to say, like, we're, we're not sponsored by this this place. The odds that most of our listeners are ever going to have a chance to try Little Zoe is very, very low. However, if you ever attend the Porcupine Freedom Festival. That's right. Uh, you, can, uh, you can try Little Zoe's Pizza. Mm-hmm. They do have a... Uh, uh, food truck that goes there and is very busy. Yeah, I believe all week long. Um, but they happen to be based here in beautiful Little Keene, New Hampshire, which still to this day, despite the meddling federal government and their efforts to destroy the cryptocurrency community, uh, still has some businesses that are accepting cryptocurrency sure. and accepting gold backs. And I talked to Ed from Little Zoe's co-owner uh, there today. And I said, well, you know, how did Porkfest go for you? Because he, he was there, but I didn't have time to see him. We were Bonnie and I were only there for a couple of days. And we can see him anytime we want. So I just kind of got a uh, recap from him. And he said, you know, obviously, they, they did great. Uh, and I said, well, what was the number one currency that people were paying with? And he said, after cash, it was gold backs by far. Like, not hardly anyone paid with cryptocurrency mm. at the Porcupine mm. Freedom Festival I did not year. really like the cryptocurrency culture at Porkfest this year. What do you mean by that? There wasn't one. Oof, really? It's bad. Well, uh, I wouldn't well, go that far. It, well, amongst the old guard, of course, uh-huh. obviously. But the problem is a lot of the people who are coming to Porkfest now are like they weren't there in the beginning in the mm-hmm. old days with crypto, especially not at Rogers Campground. Remember, it was like replete, like you could pay for anything. Everywhere you went, everybody Everywhere. was taking cryptocurrency. And I've heard in the last few years that that has fallen off the it radar. Has. And I think some of what's happened also is like during COVID, a lot of in the whole forced vaccinations and the, the threats thereof and so forth. I think a lot of people who were Democrats and Republicans like 10 seconds ago decided that they were libertarian, but they don't really know what that word means. Mm-hmm. And then they heard about this Freedom Fest. So they went to it and they had a great time. They had a ball. They had a party. But they didn't attend any of the philosophical, academic-style events or the talks and stuff like that. I mean, like that. I don't attend any of those things. You've got a good grasp on it anyway, though. But it, Yeah, it just feels like, 
I don't know. I already know all this. There's no point in but Sure. Th- these are know. not people who've read Rothbard. We'll say that. You didn't go and see uh, RFK Jr. No, or I didn't. Vivek Ramaswamy. Absolutely see, not. What was that no. guy even doing there? RFK Jr. Oh, people love him though. I mean, who? A lot of uh, the Vivek guy. Yeah, there's a bunch of people that are libertarian. They they're not. See, that's what I'm talking about. He he doesn't belong. He's not. No, even he doesn't liber- belong there. He's absolutely. terrible. He's he's a drug warrior. Wait, wait, he's wait, a wait. drug warrior, and he's a warrior warrior. He just wants yeah. to. He thinks militarism is an answer. It's not like that's the exact opposite of everything a libertarian should believe. Wait, so you're saying we shouldn't bomb Mexico? Uh, exactly. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. You're being facetious, obviously. Yes, of course. But but, th- but amazingly, there are libertarians backing this guy up as though, oh, he's the yeah. best the Republicans could possibly offer. Meanwhile, there's an actual free stater who's running named Aaron Day. Oh, yeah. Aaron Day's awesome. Lives here. He's one of us. You know, he's he's a real deal libertarian mm-hmm. guy. He just he's running as a Republican so he can get the word out about doing a bank run. Mm-hmm. And get Which the word is a out. fantastic idea. Right. It's an amazing idea. He's actually, I think, close to a million views on his bank run post on Twitter. So he wants to get people with that idea. And so he's putting the word out. He's talking about CBDCs, which I want to talk about tonight. That's why I brought up the, the whole cryptocurrency thing. We'll get into that because Jamaica now has their own CBDC. It's oh, great. out. It's, it's done. Mm-hmm. It's in production. It's interesting how the countries that always start with this type of thing are like... Kind of economic backwater countries, easy to Nigeria, prey on. Jamaica. I, I would say these are com- countries that are easy to prey on by big central banking interests. Yeah, it's an experiment. Yep. Uh, they have they usually have thing. some tin pot dictator who's easily easy to buy. So we can get deeper into that, but but I, I'm interested in this pork fest conversation as uh, as well. You were saying that you feel like cryptocurrency usage has kind of dropped off for sure. At, for sure uh, at pork fest, and I've only been there. A couple of days in the last two years, I've only been at three days of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I went two days this year and one day uh, last year, so I barely got a feel for that. But I did notice, like there was a taco place I went to that was new. Yep, uh, and they didn't take it, and it was great tacos. That's what uh, I heard. But they did. They didn't take cryptocurrency. They took gold backs. And I actually talked to the owner of the place, and he's a Free Talk Live listener, and he's a you know total freedom guy. He wasn't. Oh, yeah? like, he then wasn't. Why is, why is he a new crypto? What's he, his problem? Well, he and he wasn't like one of the rando. Uh, like you would expect that from somebody who just showed up at Porkfest, hearing there's a yeah. thousand people there or two thousand people, and they yeah. want to sell some French fries, right? Right. Like the carny guys that kind of show up. They've been showing up for several years actually because it's it's a big enough festival, so yep. it attracts those guys. They don't know anything about crypto. They don't care about it. But this guy knows about crypto. He's not interested because from his perspective as a business owner, and I think this is probably one of the most solid objections uh, to accepting crypto as a business owner, is it's just too volatile. Like he he can't buy his vendor, you know, he can't go to his vendors who are selling him the taco meat or whatever and buy that from them. And so he feels like it's not particularly useful to him. Dude, I worked in, in food for a long time on a pro level. And I'm telling you right now, if I went back and did it all over, if anybody came into my restaurant and said, we'd like to use crypto, I would uh, inst- yeah. I would instantly take it. And no, also, it's not like you can use gold back to buy whatever. Right. No, you can't. You know? and, but he does take gold backs and he likes the gold yeah. back. He just feels like uh, he's uncomfortable with the, with the volatility of it. I mean, yeah. Chris, Chris are... Sometime Friday night uh, co-host Chris Wade from Think Penguin, uh, he got into it pretty deep, pretty deep with him in the Goldback channel because you know as Chris Chris is a business owner, sure mm-hmm. he accepts cryptocurrency online for Linux servers and you know laptops and things like that because he's a boss and 
And, you know, for him, he he's points out, look, this has been very good for me over the years. As, as a business owner, accepting cryptocurrency has been very good. He's more than willing uh, to take cash, yep. U.S. government cash, which has fallen in value over 99.5% in the last 100 years. Yeah, talk about volatile. Talk about volatile and always yeah. on the way down. It never goes up. It's, it's always yeah. on the way down. It's really interesting, too, because he's a younger guy. Yeah. Like, you would expect the these reasons, these uh, objections from somebody who's 50 and up. But you don't expect it from somebody who's like, I don't know, 30, 35 yeah. or something like that. He's a younger guy. And I do get but, why some older folks don't like crypto because mm-hmm. they're not tech savvy and they don't feel comfortable with it. And, you know, right. it's one of those things where you do have to be careful with it because you can lose your money if you forget your password or if you lose, sure. you know, USB you stick that wallet, you have it on. Too, you know? right? I mean, so you there can use are a physical concerns. wallet. I mean, yeah, there's always yeah. concerns. You're right. I mean, there, yeah, whatever, well. wh- whatever we're talking about, whether it's something that is valuable online or offline, security is always a concern. You don't yeah. want to leave your wallet in the toilet at the airport, right? Somebody's going to take it. Uh, you know, whether it makes it back to you is is really the uh, the only question. But they went into it. They got into a really long discussion about it, and the, the dude's just not interested in taking cryptocurrency. That's, I can't, that's fine. I can't fathom wanting it's to fine. take U.S. dollars. And, and you know, the the way I look at business owners taking crypto, even at Porkfest. Even at Porkfest, the overall amount percentage-wise of business in crypto you're going to do is going to pale in comparison to the business you're going to do in cash and other, you know, gold, ammo, whatever people. So want you're going to have enough cash you're to buy your plenty enough. Product. It's mm-hmm. going to be more yeah. than it's. You're not, you know, you might have, especially now when you said hardly anybody's paying with crypto. That, at yeah. least that's what Ed at Little Zoe said. He said hardly anyone paid. With Ed said that. Yeah. So Ed does a boom. Okay, so this this seals it for me next year. I'm doing food at Porkfest. It's going to be insanely good. Oh, it's good. official. It's, yeah. This is it, the official it's announcement. Gonna be, it's going to be okay. super high value. You will be able to get fat for next to nothing if you use crypto. You, you oh. can pay in cash and gold and whatever you want to instead, but it's going to be a premium if you do, because I don't want really? that crap. I really? don't want that crap. You don't even want gold bags. No, I'll, I'll take them. See, most people will give you a discount I, if you pay with... Maybe I, maybe I will give a little discount gold for gold, but I, I really want crypto. You really though. want the crypto? Yeah. Okay. You could do a, a Monero discount discount. Ob- obviously. You could do 10% off for Monero, oh. 5% for the other cryptos. I, whatever, I'll, do, right? I'll do 25% off. Anybody, wow. any, anybody, paying in, anybody paying in Monero, I will do a 50% discount. <laughs> Damn. That's wow. what it takes. All other cryptos, 25% <laughs> Okay. Off. That's pretty serious, dude. That's like... Dead cause, serious. Because like you said, you were already like probably one of the cheapest food vendors in I was. previous years you sold out yep oh i sold out Quick. i sold out before thursday yeah uh, Ar- aria came back to my place like i sold out the first year that i sold out before pork fest yeah i was gonna say i thought you sold out during fork fest <laughs> i sold out time. during fork fest because basically if you show up at fork fest and you can cook you can sell to everybody because yeah. there's yeah. no one else there and, doing and, it. and my my whole um my whole formula for that type of uh, slang and food is different than everybody else. Think of pork fest is a lot of times you you know people want to do custom food for you while mm-hmm. you wait. It's like no, you got people, it pre-made. You just slop it out. It's done. great. And, and one of the good things about waiting for your food is you end up standing around, you're chatting shooting with people, the breeze sure. with people, and that's that's cool. But you're not making as much money. That you're not way. making it. You, well, you're not making as much money yeah. uh, because a lot of people just want to eat and run. Yeah, what yeah, I did yeah. was I put a tent out front. And I put a tent in the back. I cooked in the tent in the back, and mm-hmm. I the tent in the front. I put the picnic table under. So while I was doing my you know vending, 
I could still talk to people because they grab a bowl of food they stand there and, and I shoot the breeze. Well, yeah. they stand there and eat yeah, or they sure. sit down and they talk. I mean, Tom Woods came by. But some people want to grab and, and go, like you were saying. You know, like some yeah. people. I'm in a rush. I gotta go grab. You know, finish my broadcast. I come in, grab something. I'm gone. Yeah, Tom, Tom Woods and his now wife came by and they sat down with uh, with uh, uh, Mike McIntyre mm-hmm. and uh, and Lauren yep. and Allie. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Morales at the time, and yep. they all sat there for they they each sat there for like you know half That's an hour nice. forty five minutes. So you get all different. It. You times. get the people hanging out. And yeah, you get they the, hang and, out and they chill and yeah. they they shoot the breeze and it's great. And I, I it the one thing I don't like about vending at Pork Fest is I'm so busy is that I don't get to go do Pork Fest things myself. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I don't have to go do Pork Fest things myself. People come to they me. They come to you. <laughs> yeah, that's how I have always felt about it. I I don't sell food, but doing vending at these events is always great because. You don't have to go anywhere, and then you get this line of people or whatever that just want to come ask you questions mm-hmm. about whatever, and you can talk to them. And yeah, and it was so cool because it's like inviting people. total strangers into my home, you know, mm-hmm. into my kitchen, my little my yeah. little camp away from home, and and uh, making them feel comfortable, giving them some good food. And yeah, I, like in you your said, case, I was the cheapest one there by far. I was doing like five bucks a bowl, just loaded right. up, and see you later. And in your case, you were, uh, you know, you're very successful. Like you said, you sold out more than once. Mm-hmm. And so you actually probably paid for the whole campsite, right? Like you oh, maybe oh, even several made some times money, over. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I did really good. So you went home with with more than you came for in for sure. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of it was a lot of it was crypto too. So, but I how love. many years has it been now since you cooked? Like uh, four, five? Yeah, I think four. I think four. So because the right. last time I did it, I was here. Okay. So I did all the cooking in this kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right there's no exhaust yeah. fan there was like 115 degrees <laughs> oh, in here man. and it was it was like raining outside so it was so humid in here oh my god it was deadly but i got it done and uh and it was a good time it was worth it well i hope i'll be able to be there to uh Me to, too. to have the food next year you guys got married by the way yes, and i heard bonnie told me that you guys have never been on a show together on, i don't on think so no. that's crazy i can't believe it that's my wife it. over yeah. there <laughs> Congrats, and that was at Fork Fest, which was yes. the second wedding, I believe, that has yeah, happened. Yeah, there was a little bit of Fest. misinformation going around. Some people thought that we got married at Pork Fest. No, no, no. Technically, it was Fork Fest. I believe you tried to get married at we Pork Fest. We did try to get married we at did. Pork Fest. We the yeah. bureaucracy prevented it. Yeah, bureaucracy yeah. prevented it. Yeah. And then I think on the FSP newsletter, it was yeah. said that we got married at Pork Fest, which was kind tisk, of comical. Tisk. I wasn't mad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it probably wasn't malicious, but it was kind no, of ironic not. that we got shot down yeah. to get mm-hmm. married at Pork Fest because we were going to get married smack in the middle of Pork Fest Thursday. I, so we I would offered. bring all of our family in, basically not force them to come to Pork Fest, but you know we're getting married right, right. in the middle of and it. And we're two popular people. We would have drawn a lot of people to our wedding. You had and, 150 and, at, at Pork Fest, right? right? At Fork Fest, and and, and I it was going to be more but it was raining so it probably would have been yeah we had some people 200 drop out right last yeah. Minute, and, yeah and you know fsp inc's whole purpose for pork fest is to draw n- new people toward liberty sure and we're talking about my whole family and all my mm. friends who all they're none of them are like libertarian liberal some of them are mm-hmm. uh but most of them aren't necessarily libertarian most of them aren't political at all but yeah. they could they are all people who could be easily flopped if you made a few good arguments to them and mm-hmm. that goes for nikki's entire family too oh yeah and and uh we drew tons of those people to new hampshire if and i offered fsp inc to rent a big top tent an extra tent for them for mm-hmm. the week whoa if they, we so, could use it for about 12 hours wow and yeah, we were going to no. give them money. We were wow. going to bring stuff. Wow. We were really trying to make it work like in I, a way I where it was beneficial. Yeah, in a way where it would be very beneficial 
for Porkfest yeah. and the Free State Project. And us. Everybody. Yeah, like it would have been a really good situation, but it ended up, I'm glad how it happened. I'm glad we got married before, so I mm-hmm. didn't have to think about it. Uh, Forkfest is awesome, so I'm glad I could get married at Forkfest. And I think overall, it was a lot easier to just deal with Rogers right. than yeah. to have to deal with... A layer on top of a layer, yeah. right? Cause- yeah. Well, at that point, if we did it at Porkfest, Rogers would have not been involved. Like right. It would have been us just going through Porkfest, and I think that would have been a big mess. <laughs> Probably. So it was easier so. going direct to the source rather yeah. than through the middleman in this particular yep. case. Yeah. And, and you sense. know, I asked one year ahead. You know, I asked FSP. So it wasn't Inc. a last minute I, thing. I, no, I, asked them, not, I yeah. asked them at Porkfest the prior wow. year. Wow. So like and did last they, year. Did they blow you away at right away? It was the or? most dismissive no I've ever heard wow. for any proposition. Yeah, ever we, we tried uh, different locations. We were offering money. We were offering tents. Like, did they we, give you a reason? No, it was just nope. Okay. Nope. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of reasons, like parking. I think was one of them. It was a yuppie. It was a yuppie in a golf cart telling me no without even giving it a second thought. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh well, whatever. Like you said, it worked, it worked out really out. good. Yeah, it worked so, out really good. You know, things were meant to be the so, way uh, they ended up. He's got a great dog. That's true. The yuppie does. The yuppie. Okay. He's a fantastic <laughs> dog. I love that dog. Uh, if you want to join the show here, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. And and the uh, the noons actually were the first uh, couple to get married oh, at Fort Fest right. a few years ago. They're Jay, good ones too. Jay so and now Shallon. we share uh, an anniversary. Yep. By the way, yeah. Pork Fest marriages do not have a good track record. Track record. Really? High five, Bay. Put it up. Yeah. Pork Fest, <laughs> however, so far has a good track record. Jay and Shallon still together, and I think that was like I don't know twenty eighteen or something. And they're years ago. they're just about as concrete as you can get. Too. Yeah, they rock. For sure. Um, I, I I can think of at least two couples that I know of that got married at the Porcupine Freedom Festival that are no longer together. And I can't think of more than three couples that were married. There's probably more than three, but I can think of three. One, I'm not sure as to what their status is. There's a couple uh, lesbians that live in Manchester. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, a gentleman, uh, Rob and Rob Thias. He yeah, got yeah, divorced. Yeah. He got divorced. Um, and it's usually like within a year. Huh. It's they're not even together at the the next Porcupine Freedom Fest. Oh wow! And uh, Brad Jardis, the uh, former police oh, officer, yeah. who uh, turned against the war on drugs and joined the side of good, he ended up getting married at Porkfest, and that one didn't work out either. Oh, boo! So I think you guys might have made the the right choice. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, our, babe, our odds are high. Yep, Porkfest is not cursed, so that's good. Yep, and it, you know it's uh, it's nice because you don't have to ask permission from the organizers of Forkfest because there are no organizers of Forkfest. And by the way, since we're talking about it, I'll give you the dates for next year because these things have already been discussed. And as I understand it, if you're interested in attending just fork fest there are a few people that do this they won't even attend the porcupine freedom festival they just come up for fork fest mm-hmm. uh that you don't have to wait until the first of august there's like this there's this day that they're uh telling everybody if you're going to register for pork fest 2024 you have to wait until august 1st if you call rogers campground tomorrow or whatever they're going to say call us on august 1st oh. And then there's this huge flood of calls to come in to them on August 1st. So, But if you wanted to register for the ForkFest dates, uh, you could do that right away because that that lockdown August 1st thing is only for people uh, that are going to be attending the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So uh, next year, ForkFest is going to be the 13th of June through the 16th of June. That is a Thursday through a Sunday. So... uh, 
people seem to like having it before the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There's the kind of the energy of the run up to the to the big event, which of course Porkfest is way bigger. Uh, there's way more people that come to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Porkfest nowhere near as many. But I think we I think there's probably more people that attended beforehand. I mean, what were your thoughts on having you having attended a multitude of these Porkfests? Did you feel as though there were more people there before or more people there after? The Porcupine Freedom Festival for for a fork fest. What do you mean? Like more people? How many people were attending? Like the comparing fork fest the fest was enormous. Comparing year. the years of fork fest, fork fest happened after pork fest for three years. Yeah. Oh, I think there was way more this year, but that's I factoring mean, out the wedding. That's hard. If you can do that, that's the hard part. Yeah, that's, factoring that's out the wedding. Um, I don't know. I think this may have been a busier fork fest this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, and I would a, say so compared a, to last year and the year before. Yeah, and it was a beautiful week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. Other, I mean, we got we got some rain, but it was a really nice week. Um, our our wedding in particular, it it was threatening to pour. It had poured right before it, like the day before it, and yep. and uh, it lightened luckily, up a little bit, but it, it was still raining. Yeah, you know, mo- most most people when they get married, they walk out to "Here Comes the Bride" and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. We skipped that, and Nikki's we're we're both huge Led Zeppelin fans, but Nikki <laughs> loves Led Zeppelin. It was one of the things that turned me toward her in the first place. Just you know, I had to look at that, and uh, she picked out the rain song. Way ahead so of time. So I totally cursed us. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. You know, we Sorry, out everybody. That got rained on at my wedding. at the time. It was really beautiful, though. Yeah. It was like, you know, you could, I couldn't have asked. I actually, I wanted to add um, Looks Like Rain by the Grateful Dead, uh, Bob Weir, hmm. to our wedding playlist. And then I was kind of thinking about the lyrics. And it's a really, like, sad, <laughs> uh, depressing breakup song. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's terrible. Not, yeah, wrong, Such a good song. Yeah. But I'm like, eh, not the vibe. <laughs> no. All right, uh, ForkFest.Party, you can go there, you can learn more about the event. They've got links to chat rooms where you can get connected to other attendees. It's the decentralized alternative festival that happens before the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Basically, the weekend before, come on up early. If you're going to go to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, come up for a few days early and hang out with us at ForkFest as well. Uh, it's a bit of a s- different crowd, a little slower, maybe like less than a tenth of the size mm-hmm. of uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Very chill. Very laid back by comparison. Uh, and check it out at forkfest.party. We're going to continue here and get into the CBDC. Cryptocurrency? No, no. We're talking about central bank digital currency. A lot of mainstream media wants to confuse people. Yeah, there's into, nothing crypto about it. Right, into thinking CBDCs are cryptocurrency. And they are not, but they're coming. And in fact, Jamaica apparently already has theirs operating. But how's it doing? How many people are using this thing? get into it coming up here it's free talk live free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending unfortunately due to government meddling the company that partnered with dash to offer dash direct is leaving the crypto business however they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for dash bitrefill.com has been accepting dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
Talk Live. You can join us here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features that we have waiting for you there. In fact, we have our own social media platform on which you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts of the show. Just go to social.freetalklive.com and you will find that there. And it's free. Uh, When you sign up, it will ask you one question. And the question is something like, you know, how did you get here or why are you here or something like that. Just put in something related to Free Talk Live and... You will get in. Basically, anything that sounds like you're a human being, the point of that question is to stop the spam bots from Mm -hmm. getting in. And it has done a very good job at stopping the spam bots. They they just don't know what to say to that question. They put in something that just makes no sense. And we reject them, and we approve everybody else. So head over to social.freetalklive.com. We're going to get into the CBDC, but then coming up, a haunted town that is illegal to visit. Nikki has a story about this, and I'm very curious to hear what that me means. too. So we're going we're gonna to get into that. Uh, but first, an even scarier story. The CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency, this is a real nightmare uh, that is coming true in various different places in the world. And the latest victim uh, is the people of the wonderful country of Jamaica. We have the pleasure, once again, talking about Keen's food scene here. Uh, we've got a Jamaican restaurant here in town, and it might be the only one in all of New Hampshire. I don't know. I heard It might be. Yeah. I heard that rumor recently. I, I doubt hope, it. I hope it's not true. But There but, might be one in Manchester there used or to be. Concord. I don't know if there was one in Manchester years ago that I went to in, in downtown Manch, but it closed. So I don't know oh, if okay. there's so another them. one. Maybe there's another one there, but... Uh, that one was good. Anyway, uh, Jamaica is now, according to the Financial Times, uh, they chronicled how the Caribbean country hit rock bottom, turned a corner, and weathered potentially catastrophic headwinds, which is admirable, but you may be forgiven for not expecting Jamaica to be at the front of international financial innovation. To these skeptics, we present Jamdex, a.k.a. I guess this is slang in Jamaica, uh, Aki Money, A-C-K-E-E, Aki Money. Jamdex, as they call it, was launched in July of 2022 and is one of only four fully launched retail CBDCs in the world. Now, this article is sounds like it's salivating over this. Uh, so, you know, take take the viewpoint of the author here. Isn't with it funny how they pump this, but mm-hmm. they... They've been spending 10 years pooping on crypto. Exactly. Well, there's but, too much freedom in crypto. You right. know, you need the government to be able to control this or else it's dangerous. And, Drug you know, dealers, yeah. terrorism, oh, yeah. even though, the of horror. course, they use the dollar primarily, terrorists and drug dealers. But regardless, uh, that, and, and that is the big claim here. One of the big claims of the CBDCs is that they will be able to stop the terrorism or stop the money laundering or whatever. And what they're really going to do is stop the people who have political viewpoints that are differ from the uh, the status quo. They'll be able to stop them from having any kind of livelihood, uh, making good money, being able to spend it in certain places, that kind of thing. So who's got the CBDC right now? Which countries on the planet? China. Uh, surprisingly, they don't list China, even though they have it. Oh. So I don't know why that's not on this list here. China has yeah, a CBDC. Yeah, you think that would be number one. You would think. It's Probably because journalists these days are generally bush Lazy. Yeah. They're awful. Could be. Now, maybe it's because China hasn't rolled theirs out completely yet. As I understand it, only a portion of China 
Uh, their population has access to the CBDC, mm. so it isn't across the whole billion people yet. I wonder which segment of pop of the population they chose to have access. Was it the really, really obedient elite, or was it the really, really bad people who'd go against? I don't know if it's geographic or pol- or political mm. based or what. I would That's assume it would be in the cities, maybe, because it would be a little bit more difficult to get the rural folks. Because right. of course, China is huge. Yeah, yeah. And the majority of it is very rural. It would make sense so, for them to start yeah. it in Shanghai or right. wherever. Uh, but no, they don't mention China. They mention the Bahamian sand dollar, so the Bahamas, the Eastern Caribbean decash, which I had not heard about. I'm not sure. They say Eastern Caribbean, so I don't know which countries uh, in the Caribbean would be included in that. Decash. And Nigeria's e-Naira, which we have heard about. Uh, we've talked about to some extent here on Free Talk Live. The Nigerian CBDC, I believe, was the first one to come out. If not, China was first. Nigeria was second. And that's a particularly interesting one because Nigeria, of all the countries on the planet right now, Nigeria is the number one country for people adopting cryptocurrency. Mm. Wow. So I think they felt like they really had to speed it up and get the CBDC on the scene quickly because it's literally like one out of three people in Nigeria have purchased cryptocurrency. You know, and that's we've said that from the beginning. Cryptocurrency is never going to replace government currency, but it's going to make the government currency compete. Mm -hmm. They'll have no choice because cryptocurrencies... It's a genie that's out of the bottle, and it oh, cannot yeah. go back in. It literally can't get back in the bottle, even if it wanted to get back in the bottle. They're trying hard. They will never be able to push that genie back into the bottle. Is That ship sailed the second Satoshi hit the go button. and Especially after Monero came out. Especially I mean, after Monero. Deal. When Monero happened, it was flat out. Which, for listeners that don't know, Monero is uh, the primary privacy coin in the cryptocurrency yeah. market. Yeah, plus with Monero, you can mine it yourself without any special mm-hmm. equipment. So Monero is an especially nice little thing for people who enjoy their freedom yeah so cryptocurrency like you're talking about it empowers the individual the individual can acquire it Mm -hmm. without usually without asking permission for instance if you know somebody else with monero and they want to sell you some monero you just ask them and they'll hopefully will sell it to you and then that's completely off the record you know there's no no one except for you and the person who sold it to you knows that that has happened Mm -hmm. um with cbdc absolutely everything is on the record uh, the record is controlled centrally by the central bank. They have a copy of the the only copy, presumably, of the, I guess it's blockchain-based, because as I understand it, the CBDC people, they hired some of the Bitcoin programmers who are oh. not freedom-loving people, yeah, who obviously clearly. are willing to work for the evil government of the world. They worked, at least I know here in the United States, they had at least one or two of the guys that have contributed to Bitcoin code working on the CBDC. And so these CBDCs are designed for control. They're designed to be controlled from a central place, whereas a uh, cryptocurrency is decentralized. Mm -hmm. One of the key aspects of cryptocurrency is not only that it's cryptographically secure, but it's also open source. It's also decentralized. It's distributed, meaning that there are thousands of places in the world that have a copy of the Bitcoin blockchain. The blockchain is the the public ledger, essentially, that backs Bitcoin. It's got all the transactions that have ever occurred Which on Which is Bitcoin. important because if anybody ever tried to counterfeit anything like that, it would right. get caught because there's so Instantly. many places that the ledger is kept. Correct. So that's the important aspect of having it distributed and copied, essentially, in those different places. They're always checking each other mm-hmm. constantly to make sure that there's no funny business uh, going on. 
Whereas with the CBDC, it's all just sitting there in the same database in the central bank's you know, server rack. And they can mess with it all they want Absolutely. to, just like they have the money they've been printing for the last how many hundred years. Yes. Yeah, hook it up to your social credit score and whatever mm-hmm. else they want to do. Well, and that's what they say is coming, because that's what's been going on in China. So this isn't like some wild speculation. No, they're this already doing it. happening now. Uh, and in fact, Aaron Day, who we mentioned earlier, is the presidential candidate on the Republican side. He's the one out there talking about the uh, the evils of the CBDC. He wrote extensively in his book uh, about it, which you can, I think, get from his website. I think it's Day2024. Yeah, Day2024.com. He's got like this really, the first chapter is kind of like fictional, where it's set in, a, in the near future. And it's this really Orwellian, creepy kind of... Uh, oversight society where the cbdc exists and the social credit score exists and like all these controls are in place and it's a very very dystopian kind of uh little story that he writes about what could happen and then he reveals of course that all of the things he's talking about are already happening just not necessarily all together as one so it hasn't all quite been tied together yet but all the strings are kind of loose out there. The technology's there. It doesn't need any further development. It just has to be put together. And then, you know, you roll in the uh, the vaccination mandates and you roll in all the other things that they want to literally shove down your throat. So it starts, in some cases, with this CBDC. So let's talk about Jamaica. Uh, oh, and I'm, I forgot to mention Nigeria. Very, very low adoption. They haven't mandated people use the CBDC. They've just introduced it. They've sold it. They've said, hey, come try this out. If they mandate it, it'll make people run towards cryptocurrency. Yeah, that may be one of the reasons why they're taking it slow. Um, But I think it was less than the last time we talked about it, which was a few months ago. It was like less than half of a percent of Nigerians have done anything with the CBDC there. Good. So that's the good news. Uh, But what about Jamaica? So they say here, despite its recent economic success, Jamaica still suffers from stagnant public sector wages, rising costs, and rocky social services. I don't really care what the public sector wages are, but uh, developing digital cash might seem like it should be low in the country's hierarchy of needs. And sometimes, if you build it, they don't come. As of February of this year, the total number of Jamdex customers was 190,000 people in Jamaica. Now, they don't... Do thus the favor of giving us the Jamaican population, but I suspect that is a fairly small uh, percentage of that. We'll give a quick look here and see exactly what is the population of Jamaica. 2.8 million. So we're talking about less than, what is that, 10%? 10%. Yeah. You know, 7% or something like that. Yeah, it's less than 10%. Uh, so that's the total number of customers. While the total transactions for the year 2022 on the CBDC was valued at 357 million which is less than 1 sorry 0.01% of Jamaica's 4.7 trillion electronic re- that can't be right. Oh, it must be in Jamaican dollars or whatever, right? Like, there's Maybe. no way that Jamaica's could, got four trillion dollars. I could also see I could also see the Jamaican bank or whoever runs the Jamaican Central Bank set up accounts for a number of the population and putting mm-hmm. some in there and saying, look at the adoption rate. All mm. of these people have some to their name. But have they ever actually used they it? They might not even know they have it. It yeah. could be you know, a dollar a piece. That's a great point. 
so yeah, so 4.7 trillion in electronic retail transactions was what the whole country did without just the CBDC and then just the CBDC at 357 million. So a fraction of a fraction, right? Like million to trillion. There's billions in there too, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's a very very small number by comparison. And that is 0.1% of currency in circulation. You know, we could just go look at the blockchain and find out how many accounts have what in them and which, the ones, are, which crypt- ones are active. Oh, wait, no, no. you probably you're not allowed to see the blockchain that they're working it, off because yeah. it's a central you have bank to take their word currency. for you it. Take their word for mm-hmm. it. You can't just look. Yeah. And but, the point you're making is that with most cryptocurrencies, with the exception of the privacy coins, you really can't look at the blockchain with Monero right. in any meaningful sense. But with like Bitcoin or Dash or many of the others out there, uh, you can you can go and you can see all the statistics you want to. You can see who which wallet has the most Bitcoin in it. If you got a lot of time in your yeah. hands on a big computer, you can just download the whole blockchain if you really want to. It's true. Uh, it's called running a full node. Yep. And there are, I think, around 17,000 of those right now, 17,000 mm-hmm. computers that are running the the full Bitcoin blockchain. A lack of merchant signups. Turns out the merchants aren't very interested <laughs> in the CBDC either. And technical difficulties in October meant that early adopters of the CBDC had nowhere to spend it. The government tried to reward the first 100,000 people who signed up for Jamdex with a... Okay, here we go. This gives us uh, an idea of the, the difference between a dollar and the Jamaican dollar. Uh, the Jamaican 2,500, I presume they call them dollars, 2,500 Jamaican dollars, which would be 16 U.S. dollars. Oh, wow. So that gives you some idea of the discrepancy there. Uh, and only 36,000 people signed up to get their $16 bonus. <laughs> so they cheaped out even more in Jamaica than El Salvador did when El Salvador launched their uh, their Bitcoin thing. When El Salvador in 2021 became the first country on the planet to actually legalize Bitcoin as legal tender, which has its own problems. But uh, they gave away $30 worth of Bitcoin to incentivize signups. And a lot of people did sign up, mm-hmm. and then they cashed out the Bitcoin and got $30, $30 and walked yeah. away from it, right? So again, lots of signups, very little actual Adoption. usage of yeah. going to a business and actually spending this stuff. But it seems like in this case, the people don't even feel that the CBDC currency is valuable enough to even waste their time. Not even worth it. To yep. get the $16. Yeah, and they would be correct. They should definitely go with their first instinct on that one. In April of this year, the finance ministry announced two more incentive programs, the Small Micro Merchant Incentive Program, which would reward 10,000 food stores, gas stations, and salons with a uh, 25000 Jamaican dollar deposit. That's about 164 bucks. And the Wallet Holder Individual Loyalty Program, which provides regular users with loyalty points that can be redeemed for cash back. Now, what I think is interesting here is what you're looking at is a trial run of what they're going to try here Mm -hmm. in the United States when these things come about. However, here, I feel like you're going to have more corporate adoption. I think that you're going to likely see, you know, the mega corporate chains that always carry the water for the the government, Mm -hmm. you know, all these corporations. Oh, yeah. You know how they all signed on with, oh, yeah, vaccinations, yeah. and let's put the little uh, little aisle indicators down, which show you which direction you have yeah. to go. Or when you're even um, a lot of places with the credit card use, now a lot of places are cashless. Like uh, Chipotle? 
Yeah, well, and also uh, we went to a music festival recently. And oh, Live I heard about Nation, this. yeah. Yeah, Live, Live Nation, Nation bought, I don't know if they bought the venue or no, just bought, the music the festival. festival. They bought so the they bought festival. the festival. You could not get a single thing unless you had a credit card. You could not that pay for anything in cash. To me. We even went to, um, like, so they, so they have vendors that come out. Some of these people just follow around, tour with different yeah, music sure. festivals, and they just vend. Um, a lot of those guys don't take credit cards at all. No. So they, that, it, it, things are changing though. So mm-hmm. I asked one of the people, I was like, oh, can I just pay in cash? Like wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no. And mm-hmm. like, are you sure? Like, hey, here's how you do it. You just like pretend it didn't happen. Like, uh-huh. you know, and he's like, absolutely not. If you they know, catch us, we're kicked exactly. out. Yep, so right? he was like, this is a really good Whoa. gig for us. And they take it really, really seriously here. If anyone even catches me, Touching cash Whoa. in exchange with a customer, I'm kicked out for life and Who, I'm just screwed. Who's behind Live Nation? Who owns it's, this company? No, it's probably I think, I think Black Live Rock. Rock. Or, yeah, it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge Ticketmaster or something? Like, is this I like think, the big corporation? I, it seems like Live Nation and Ticketmaster are connected because I, I go to a lot of concerts, so I buy a lot of concert tickets off of different yep. platforms. And the concert tickets, you can look at them on, you know, their website now. Right. And it seems like they're connected. So my concert tickets, I can view them on both Live Nation and Ticketmaster. So they must be connected somehow. Mm-hmm. Liberty Media owns Live Nation. Really? Yeah. Liberty. Yeah, hmm. that's ironic, huh? Now, is that the same Liberty Media that owns XM, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio? Certainly. Very hmm. interesting. Subsidiaries, uh, Live Nation Concerts, Ticketmaster, Frontline Management Group, Live Nation Network, C3 Presents, Mm -hmm. AC Entertainment, and Live Nation Merchandise. Wow. All right. So so now for me, like, I know you guys want to see the bands, right? Like, that's the only reason why you go. But if I had gone to that and found that out while I was there, I'd be like, this is the last time I will ever come to one of these shows. And I think there are a lot of other people that are like that. Unfortunately, not enough to Mm -hmm. really make an impactful difference. Because uh, a lot of people don't care about it. A lot of people are like, yeah, credit card's Here's easier card. for me anyways. Yeah. You know, they don't really care. They don't really value alter- alternative means of payment. But uh, there are there are a few things that happened that really upset me. And it sucks because it's a great music festival oh, and man. I really, really like the bands. But the security and a lot of people in um, there. This was a, a camping festival too, right? Yeah. And it uh, like, used to I be. Can't I, so even I've been imagine. going. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just can't even imagine. I've been to some of these when I was younger. I yeah. uh, went to livestock in Florida, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I can't imagine having to rely on electronic currency of any sort yeah. at a cow field or where, wherever the hell this was yeah. happening, right? Yeah. Because uh, you know, if it's a camping festival, it has to be in a big place where people can spread yeah. out. They've got tents. Probably were there multiple stages? Yeah, there's yeah. three stages. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you got the a The camping huge was sprawling. literally on the side of a mountain, basically. Right. Uh, and I've been going to this particular festival since 2015. But it, it was just recently not, that it flipped. Yeah, once Live Nation bought the festival, Jeez. then all this stuff really flipped. I couldn't even bring a backpack in that wasn't clear. And let me tell <laughs> you, that really pissed me off. Into it, a camping even, festival. Yeah. So the people was, that, Hold on, just to clarify, was this into the stage area or in yes, the camping so area? Yes, so we, I, I believe that the people that were camping could bring backpacks in, but who knows, they might have been, because there's a gate right. between the camping and between where you go to see the music. Right. So who knows, because I saw some people that seemed like they were camping that also had the clear backpacks. Hmm. So well, that's probably I just think, to get into the well, uh, yeah, music I, area. I think they might stop you at the music area and there might be like no backpacks or anything. Mm-hmm. And the issue I had with that is... 
I don't eat a lot of the food that's at festivals. Sure. Yeah, so terrible. I want to have my my big water bottle. I want right. to have snacks. But they're essentially forcing, you know, you can't bring beers or anything. And so I want to, they're like, essentially forcing you to either buy their food, their food and yep. drink their crappy water, or you have to leave, do your thing, and then come back. Or buy one of their backpacks for $100 or, or whatever, yeah. right? Oh, you don't have one? Right over here. Just get your credit card ready. Yeah, from a, yeah. From a vendor that paid a small fortune just to get his little spot. Yeah. So from Live Nation. And I, I was a little disappointed. There still are some smaller festivals that are sure. are cool. Like there's Jerry Jam that used to be in New Hampshire. Now mm-hmm. they moved it to Vermont. Uh, just there's to always going to gonna be those. Yeah. I mean, for sure. There's so, no way the corporate monsters are going to take over all of them. Don't but, speak too soon. But boy, what a disappointment. I mean, uh, I mean, you, you read these stories. We'll get back into the CBDC, but you read these stories from time to time about the uh, Visa and MasterCard going out and pushing to businesses like, hey, why do you need cash? You don't need to take cash. Here, we'll incentivize you to not take cash anymore. Years ago, we had a story about they were giving away, quote unquote, $10,000 to businesses to not take cash anymore. Yeah, to bribe them. But they weren't just doing it to anybody who would stop taking cash. It was a drawing, right? So you had to stop taking cash for whatever time frame, and then you would be entered into a drawing, and then you'd win, you know, a $10,000 It's not worth it for me, credit. especially, you know, for big businesses that, I mean, typically people don't always put all of their cash on the books. Right. So that's a big, like, discount when it comes to taxes. Well, and so... So I would think it wouldn't even be worth... The $10,000, I mean, if you're making millions, the $10,000 is nothing. Yeah. Um, but it's it must have incentivized some people. Uh, but it didn't seem like it, ca- it caught on or anything like that because what we're actually seeing happening around here, I don't know if you've noticed this, but more and more businesses are putting up this, the uh, notices that say yep. you got to pay three and a half or four percent extra if you're going to pay with a card. I've been seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. And one of the things that happened, I don't know how many years ago it was, but there was some kind of federal, I don't know if it was a lawsuit or if they passed a law or something. But there, something changed federally to where the credit card companies can no longer mandate that you ref, that you can't reveal their fees. Essentially, they they there used to be oh, it used to be in the contract. I didn't know that. Yeah, was it, even a thing. Right, it used to be part of the terms of service. Whenever you signed a merchant contract with a credit card processor, it said in there you cannot give a discount to your cash paying customers. Hmm. Oh, now you can. Now you can actually put it right out there on Front Street and let people know you want the best price, you pay with cash. Or in, yeah. in some of the cases like Little Zoe's here in Keene, you get a discount if you pay with crypto, you get a discount if you pay with cash, gold backs. But if you pay with that card, they're going to hit you with 4% or 3.5% on top. I mean, and yeah. They were one of the first to do this a few years ago. And now I'm seeing, I saw it at the Jamaican place this uh, this week. There was a notice up at the register. There's a Cheshire Village Pizza right down the road here from the studio. They've got it there. It's starting to pop up all over the place. So business owners, especially in a situation where the money is starting to be worth less than yep. it was two years ago. Yeah, gun dealers have been doing it for a long, long time. Right. People, these restaurants, they're getting squoze out by the, you know, already they're not making a whole lot of money. And now costs are going up. They're having to raise their prices on the menus. We're seeing that happen everywhere. You can't you can't get out of a restaurant if you buy not even alcohol, 
I mean, Bonnie and I at the Jamaican place, I don't know what it is for you guys, we don't we don't drink alcohol, and we're in for 56 bucks. We, I think that's funny you said that. I was just going to say, I think we paid 69 because yeah. Nikki got, a, Nikki got a, uh, like a margarita or something, a mule. You got a right. mule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I actually ended up getting dessert last week, so 60 you know, in that case. And, and desserts these days are eight, nine, ten dollars yep. if you go to, you know, one of the chain places or something like that. So they, they've got to do this to, to stay competitive. Yeah, I'm always surprised when I go to like a small mom and pop diner mm-hmm. and I still see like a, a breakfast, you know, just uh, bacon, eggs and toast for five bucks. They I, just I don't haven't even raised know. their price. I, mean, I don't crazy. know how they survive. They're though. probably not doing very good. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to comment on what you're seeing out, around and about as far as mandates to use credit cards, I mean, that's just crazy to me, but that's the direction the big banks want to push things, and their big corporate buddies are all too happy to help them out with it. There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show if you want. And you can bring up absolutely anything within broadcast range, of course. We do have to deal with the FCC and their pesky rules. But beyond that... You can express yourself pretty freely here on Free Talk Live. The number is 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Nikki. And later we'll talk about a haunted town, apparently, that has been made illegal to even visit. Nikki's got that story that's coming up later. Uh, We do have a couple calls on the line, so we're going to go to those. But I want to get back into this uh, CBDC that is now happening in Jamaica. It is the fourth, according to Financial Times, Uh, the fourth or the fifth country in the world with a central bank digital currency. What does that mean? Why does it matter to you here in the United States if that is indeed where you're located or elsewhere in the world? If you don't have a CBDC yet, maybe you're not so concerned about this. Well, you ought to be, and we can talk about that and what they're planning to do, how they're going to roll this thing out. We can get into all that coming up here. But let's go first to Shag, calling us from Massachusetts, in enemy territory. Shag, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes, I am in enemy territory. Uh, I've been trying to get up there for over a decade. But, Damn. Come on, uh, buddy. You've got to get those yeah, leg shackles yeah. off first, and then maybe you can I do know. it. I know. I know. Life, well, yeah, life's complicated. But, yeah, um, it usually I just is. wanted to say, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to say I, I, I love this show, and, um, you know, it, it was made clear that there were not 
enough. There wasn't a diversity of callers, but it was all these chronic callers calling all the time. And I actually just wanted to say I've env I've envisioned it in some weird way how funny it would be if you had like a chronic caller Royal Rumble if you could all <laughs> if you could get all the all the uh, chronic callers together and <laughs> do a big Royal Rumble. But um, anyway, yeah, I just I love the show and. I was saying to you, Ian, that you, Mark, Michael Dean, Nima Vadati, you guys really helped sort of crystallize my understanding of liberty, probably around like 2012 or something. Nima Vadati. Yeah, a great uh, libertarian yeah, rapper, Nima Vadati. Sure. I don't know what yeah. he's doing these days. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what either one of them is doing these days. I think Michael yeah, I Dean has Dean. moved, as I understand it. He used to be in Wyoming. Michael Dean, the uh, former host of The Freedom Fiends, which was... Uh, very uh, interesting yep. and entertaining show for many years, uh, but uh, he he hung up his headphones, I believe, and moved, I think, west of Wyoming, if I recall. If if Bonnie were here, she would know because she actually uh, see his she follows his posts regularly on social media. He's doing a lot of stargazing these days, from what I understand. I cool, uh, like he's got a telescope or whatever, and he's taking uh, taking nighttime photographs of. Uh, the night sky and posting those online. If you if you look him up, I'm sure oh, he's wow. not that hard to find. I think he's got a Twitter account. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll check that out. Yeah, sure. I'm sure he'd, I'm sure he'd appreciate yeah, I mean, you saying something to him like, "Hey, man, thanks for all the great shows." Yeah. Did you yeah. Did you ever see yeah. Guns and Weed, the movie they made? Yeah. That was yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it Still is great. Movie. Yeah. Trying to trying to trying to bring the old the old liberals and the conservatives together, but obviously the liberals have turned to. Total authoritarians, but um, well, you know, some of them have. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's still some that uh, that are of the old, the old school. The yeah, old you type. have your Marxists, yep. and then you have your classical liberals. Well, thank right, you, Shag, right, for the exactly. kind words tonight. Was there anything else you wanted to share? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. You know, you were talking about CBDCs. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about liberty every single day throughout the day. How to be more free. Um, and I, just to be honest, I'm absolutely terrified by the feds, and they're clearly, clearly cracking down on anybody who wants to, you know, transcend their system, their economic system. So I don't know how to go about doing that in a way where I'm protected. And also, the CBDC thing is is just absolutely terrifying. You don't know how to go. Let's start believe. with the first part. You said you don't know how to go go about doing that to where you're protected. When yeah. you say go about doing that, yeah, what do you mean? I don't know how to go about, like, pursuing a more free life without being, you know, I mean, I know that some people just want to be left alone and they want to be off grid and mm -hmm. all that. But to actually make change, you know, it's going to require activism. It's going to require a pushing back. Well, I mean, it really um, depends what freedom means to you, because that is different for everybody. Some people, you know, being more self-sustainable homesteading and having a farm, being able to like produce their own food and kind of being out there in the country where there aren't as many cops, there isn't as much going on as in the city. For some people, you know, that is a huge step to freedom or even just being a property owner, you know, having that um, can be freeing for some people. Uh, moving to New Hampshire is usually 
Yeah. I think Great New Hampshire is a good idea because then you get the community yeah. behind you. I mean, that's Absolutely. not going to necessarily save you, right? There's a but lot of support yeah, no. here, though. But it's nice to have somebody show up at a court trial or For something sure. like that. And, then, and I'll you know, tell you what, Shag, you know, one thing, Shag, I want to tell you, you know, I'm sure you have your reasons or whatever, but 10 years is a long time. That's You're starting to turn that that's throwing excuse flags to me. So yeah, um, no, it's true. It's true. I've had opportunities. Uh, I'm so I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. you know, there's there've been a lot of terrible things that have happened in, like the past five years that have really kept me here. Yeah, um, let me tell you this. I, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter what has happened and what it, you know. What I what I want to just share with you, and this is what I kind of did. I visited a lot. I came to New Hampshire quite a bit. I was making a five hour drive quite often just to come kind of hang out in Keene. I didn't really know the people up here yet, but I hung out with them and I got to know them a little bit. And then I had an opportunity and I struck and I left a lot on the table when I left. And it was hard because I had a lot. And what I realized when I got here is all like a a huge portion of the things that I was so afraid of leaving behind and having happened to me they really just worked themselves out and I didn't leave anything behind it all just, I moved everything here and it kind of happened organically. I didn't really plan on that happening. It just kind of happened. If you follow your dreams, good things will start happening to you. And that's what I've found over the years. And I, you know, freedom's dangerous. Buddy. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think there's yeah, so many no, exactly. stories like that uh, out there. You know, when you uh, put the intention into the universe do right? it. that this Mean is it. what you really want to do all of a sudden the doors will start to be there for you to open up you have to notice them you have to take the opportunity take the initiative and do that thing and bonnie's story is a perfect example of this where she said you know i really want to do this i want to go i want to i want to meet ian i want to come to new hampshire etc and out of the blue some guy who she'd never had any kind of interaction with at all sends her a message direct message on twitter saying we're hiring people to do door knocking in new hampshire do you want to go you know come work for us you know it, it was one of those young americans for liberty things that was that keith no it wasn't even keith it was oh, just some was other keith. guy i mean he does work for them but uh, but no some some other guy just some random guy had yeah. no idea who she was you know, you know shag where, where are you at in mass shag uh, just like 18 miles west of Boston, which uh, I try to stay as far away from Boston as I possibly can. But, Why do you uh, come up um, here at but, some point and just hang out with us on a Friday? I mean, I do, I haven't done that. I mean, I've been to Pork Fest a few times. Okay. I got a buddy right. lives in buddy buddy lives in Fitzwilliam. You know, I oh, know a couple people up there. But yeah. um, you know, I've been to we go to Keene sometimes when I go up to see him. But well, if if your um, if your buddy's the same buddy I have in Fitzwilliam, we should probably get to know each other because he's actually, a I, we call actually, him Papa Smurf that, and he's a great guy. Yep, I think you I think you're talking about Jake. Yep. Jacob. Yeah, so, it's yep. a small world. Very you know? very good friend of mine. Very good friend of mine. Love him to pieces. Why don't yeah. you come up here yeah. and grab him because he doesn't get out enough either. Tell him I want to see him up here in Keene, and we'll all go out to dinner together because Jacob and his girlfriend have been planning dinner with Nikki and I for like three years, and we still oh, haven't man. done it. I when you said <laughs> if your friend's my friend, I thought you were trying to make a joke, and then it no. actually was the no. same guy. No, Matt knows everybody. It's probably yeah. only one libertarian and Fitzwilliam. <laughs> Yeah, you know, two Basically. or three. Yeah. But, uh, 
But come on up, man. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to meet you in real life and just start doing that every every yeah, few weekends. Awesome. Just you know, come up for yeah. Do do the whole thing. Do the whole uh, southern tier. Go to Manchester for a tap room Tuesday. Go to the seacoast for whatever the hell they do on the seacoast. I'm yeah, sure there's not? something. But, um, on the Free State Project website, right. I think it's fsp.com or dot org. org yeah. They have the full calendar of yeah. all of the meetups and all of the events that are happening in the entire state. Yeah. So there's, you can pick. You know, you can just look through it and see what's going on and. And people actually, a lot of people, we're a very active community. A lot of people show up to these meetups. Sure. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to meet people that you've never met before. Maybe see some of the people from Porkfest that you have met before. And you never know what kind of opportunities are going to open up. It may be like somebody's like, hey, I'm, I'm looking to hire a blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I, do, I can do that. Yep. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So then you get those connections. Hey, Shag, thanks for the call tonight. Thanks for the kind words. Best of luck, okay? I hope we Appreciate get to it, see him. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Uh, let's go to somebody who's actually pretty close to Fitzwilliam. His name is Ridley. He's down there in the uh, even more southern tier of New Hampshire, right near the border of Massachusetts on the southwestern corner. Go ahead, Ridley. Yeah, I was wondering if you guys had heard anything about Heidi Maysha. Heidi Maysha. Yeah, um, well, I heard, I heard, unfortunately, she has passed away. I don't know uh how or why, but uh, I know she's been in a bad way for... Who is this, a free stater? I remember or Hardy. I remember a guy named Hardy Mason. Hardy yeah. Mason was a good activist. He did he pass away state too? House. He had cancer, and he did a lot of pot activism back then okay. because they wouldn't let him have medicinal, and one of his final mm. acts of uh, one of his final acts of activism was recording a video with all the medical equipment hanging off mm-hmm. his face and oh, so forth, yeah, and he's saying, right. you, won't, you won't let me have the medicine that, I, that would help wow. me you know, treat so myself. That's so sad. And uh, he, he was just a heroic guy, and uh, his wife. He's a free Heidi. stater, right? Yeah, he's a free stater. Yeah, yeah. so is Heidi. But um, yeah, they uh, Heidi. Uh, so his I, wife I saw is that unwell. She passed away this oh, week, no. and um, yeah, it's a it's a sad thing. I don't know the details behind it, Ridley. I don't. Yeah, I also don't know. I didn't even have confirmation that it had happened. Um, I just, you know, it's just so sad. Uh, yeah. Both of them, uh, and she was she couldn't have been more than forty five. No, she's Jeez. not very old. Um, he was young too, and have, I mm-hmm. believe he also ran for something as a libertarian, maybe Congress or governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he did run for something. To... Yeah, that was a uh, long time ago. I mean, that's several. It was most of a decade, if not. We lost him in 2013, according wow, to ten years. Yeah. Okay, but you know, it's you know, we, there's not much we can do when we lose somebody. We can make sure at least the, the world knows it happened. Yep. There's well, n- then there's no need to forget them and what they've done. Yeah, that's true. And I, I mean, unfortunately, the reality of a movement that is as large as the Free State Project, you're going to start, people are going to start passing away. I mm-hmm. mean, whether it be through natural causes or uh, entirely unnatural ones, like a car accident, which has happened. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, somebody asked us the other day, and there was a guy in, in Winchester, actually, a Free Stater who yep. ran off the road at one point. They think he might have had some kind of heart condition that might have mm-hmm. sp- sp- this to happening but he ran off the road while he was driving a big truck or something and did not survive the and he was a really really good dude too he was a town selectman he'd been elected and not only that the town loved him and his wife gloria they were really really good people down there yeah and there was another person who got crushed by a giant boulder in their backyard or something they were working in their backyard with i don't know why they were underneath it but they were (laughs) they put themselves underneath this boulder and it moved in a way they weren't expecting or something, yeah. and they ended up passing away, dying. There was, of course, John 
uh, Connell, the uh, founder of the Peaceful Assembly Church, who literally uh, died in a fire, sadly, in his church in Grafton several years ago. Somebody who had a big inspiration on me founding the, the Shire Free Church here. Uh, that guy was a, a great activist. Sure was. And so I mean, there's just there's a long line, sadly, of of people who've already perished in the uh, the Free State Project migration here. But on the good side, people are having kids, and there's always new people moving in uh, to New Hampshire. So that's the good news. More people, more more libertarians have died in New Hampshire of all kinds of causes than even exist in most zip codes. <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, so it is sad news, Ridley, and thank you uh, for sharing that. Anything else? Well, uh, with regard to the downsizing of the show, I had a couple thoughts. Um, I wouldn't call it a downsizing. It's just a uh, different restructuring or different sizing. Uh, (laughs) We've changed a few things around here. There's now... Ian always uh, has a word, and this is one time he didn't, so he made one up. (laughs) uh, I would say it's a restructuring of things here, Ridley. We're still doing seven fresh shows per week here uh, on Free Talk Live. It's just we brought in some of the best libertarian voices from around the country to head up some of our shows so you got ernie hancock from declare your independence on monday nights he's a you know ball of energy awesome that guy's amazing uh and you get the guys from good morning liberty nate and charlie which uh maybe not as many people know nate and charlie but they've been doing a daily podcast five days a week roughly uh for four years now. wow that's great so there no, are not familiar with them there aren't many people that have the level of dedication to the craft of doing liberty radio as these got these these three guys ernie and uh nate and charlie from good morning liberty they're doing a show called liberty at night that is on okay, tuesday cool. nights and uh we got mark mark edge longtime co-host here on free talk live who always complains he doesn't get enough uh, airtime now he's heading up edgington post on friday nights with his old buddy his uh his old boss actually from the comic book store you've heard mark i'm sure talk about how he used to work at a comic book store when he was 12 years old and he got paid in comic books well the guy that was the owner of the comic book store no still way. friends with him yeah. no way that's and so they're cool. doing a show together and that's he's, awesome he's the comic an evil book st- capitalist to you know employ a 12 year old boy yeah how well dare he? he wasn't employed quote unquote right he was only getting paid in in comic, comic books. books but so they still they still have a friendship and and his his name is henry Rains, and henry is kind of uh he's mark describes him as a progressive i'm not sure how henry has would describe he been himself. on the show before he has yeah okay yeah, so yeah i'm familiar together. with this person yeah um and so you know mark's kind of a libertarian maybe conservative socially and then you got this progressive guy in there so they've got they're not going to agree on everything so that, that's what we're doing on those nights ridley and the other nights we're still live still here in the studio the show on uh, Tuesday, do they accept calls? No, it's all pre-recorded. So here's what here's what we're losing when we lose all these nights that you guys are on, and the, 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 the and that's the ability of the little person to get a piece of information out. Right? Yeah. There's really not very much an individual can do to get information out easily anymore. It's not mm-hmm. like 2015 or 2010. Uh, so every show that you guys had on was the you know represented the ability of an individual to get before it did. Unfortunately, very few people uh, took us up on that option, so it was really hard to justify continuing it as often as we do it. Now that's not to say that we won't be doing some other live shows from this studio. We we still have all the equipment here. We can still flip on the mics uh, anytime we feel so inspired. It just won't be anything that's guaranteed to happen seven nights a week from the studio. So, I mean, if if news is breaking on a Monday and we're like, we got to talk about this, we can't wait until Wednesday, 
we can just go and do a live internet only show free or talk, talk live and it doesn't have to be three hours we can just be in and out in an hour if that's and all there's I'll tell worth you talking what, about hosting free or talk live is a ball yeah like, it's a lot yeah. more you don't, you need to say bad this, words yeah on this show we have to watch out for fcc right. things you know <laughs> Yeah, and so I think that's going to probably happen. I just don't, you know, at this point we're still getting everything rolling with the other shows and I haven't really had time to think about the technicals of of uh, doing that. But no, there's no reason why we wouldn't be able to have other shows. It's just we're not tied to the radio schedule of having to be here seven nights a week from seven to ten. Mm-hmm. And it would be one thing, Ridley, if people were actually doing as you're suggesting, if they actually valued the uh, the idea of being able to get heard on dozens of radio stations any given night of the week. But the evidence is people don't value it. I mean, you do, Ridley, but uh, you know the other people that value it are Sarah and ricky and you know i can count them on one hand and they get a little stale you know what i mean Uh, we had somebody call into the show i think this was sunday who literally said when certain callers call in he's like okay that's you know yeah and he's like yeah it's not even like he fast forwards it he's like this is and i'm sure there might be other people like that and it would be fabulous if we got really great calls everyone that was calling, but we do have those chronic callers mm-hmm. that basically just call in just so they can hear themselves speak, talking about the same thing every night, pretty, yeah, much, pretty so. much. Right, yeah. I, and and I, I've called in about this before and suggested a solution, and I'll suggest it again. Yes, you've got to let them through. It's free talk live. You're letting anyone on the air, letting them change the subject. But there's no law that says you've got to leave them on for five minutes or let or discuss them for five minutes. Give them their 30 seconds, just like I get when I call into, you know, local talk radio. Well, I'm going to talk to somebody if they're doing something interesting. And sometimes those callers have things worth talking about for more than 30 seconds. We'll judge it how I mean, I judge it as it comes in. But the thing is, is they're the only ones who call. I mean, Ridley, it would be one thing if there were let's so we got five, six lines here. Right. So if, uh, you know, Ricky's on hold but I've got two other calls who I've never heard of before, they're going first. I don't care if Ricky's been holding longer than, than they have. I'm going to put the fresh calls on. I'm going to put the people I don't know uh, on the air. So already we prioritize calls based on you know whether we've heard from them or not ever. And the people that have been on more often, they get kicked to the back of the line. So, But the thing is, there's never anybody else on, or hardly ever is there anybody else on. So that's just the reality that we've been dealing with for years and as I explained in my blog post at freetalklive.com, this has been something I've been thinking about since before COVID. So this isn't something that just has to do with the fact that I might be going to prison, you know, for some amount of time. That's certainly a, that is a factor, but this is actually something I've been considering for a long time. It's just the, the show and the callers on it uh, have gone stale and it, it doesn't meet my vision for what I wanted to do with Free Talk Live. And if, it, if it's not an interesting show for me, I don't want to be here for it. Other than callers, you know, better callers, what is it that you need that you don't have in order to keep the show going? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I just, for me, like Free Talk Live was a, sh- a show I put together in 2002 because I felt as though, as a talk radio listener and sometime caller, I thought there wasn't really any platform on which someone who wasn't wanting to agree with the talk show host whoever whichever talk show host we're talking about could actually get on the air now some some hosts will take people that disagree but none of the hosts would just take somebody who wanted to talk about something completely different it's usually the host sets the table 
the host sets the topic and then you either come and you play ball with their topic or you don't get on. So I wanted to create something where people could do something else and you know, an open phone show wasn't unheard of. Certainly it had been done before, but it had never been done with libertarian hosts in the way that, that we did it. And we did it very successfully for uh, for a long time. And it was I think it was fun to do for a very long time. And it just isn't the same these days for whatever reason. We, we still have 170 radio stations throughout the week. Uh, they're not all on at the same time. But we don't have as many, maybe we don't have as many big stations airing the show at the, during the live hours. We don't have the same kind of exposure. And so we don't have the same kind of participation. And to me, I mean, I can sit and I can talk to libertarians all, all that I want to, um, but I'd, I'd rather talk to other people. You know, I'd rather talk to people that have different ideas and people that want to get something out there, like you said, Ridley. And I'm telling you, they just don't seem to care. And, and as uh, talk radio's listening audience gets older and older, younger people aren't replacing them. Uh, that's just the reality of it. I wish I was more optimistic about it, but you know, uh, I mean, Nikki, you're a you're a Gen Zer here in the studio. How many of your friends, your age, listen to broadcast radio? Probably none of them, aside from listening to Free Talk Live, which they probably mm-hmm. utilize the podcasts in um, Odyssey and things like that. Yeah. So we're gonna go in this direction for a while, Ridley, and we'll see how it goes, man. I appreciate the feedback and thank you for the call tonight. Glad you're getting a break. Yes, sir. Well, it's not a break. <laughs> I'm still I'm still here working uh, every one of those nights to make sure this, the shows get on the air. So uh, it's just it's a different form of work. But there's more coming up here uh, in moments. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian, Matt, and Nikki here in the studio tonight. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. And unfortunately, last week there was some bad news that came out about Dash Direct, which we've been talking about for a couple months here. On Free Talk Live, our co-host, Captain Kickass, had been using it regularly since before Dash was a sponsor of Free Talk Live. He was a big fan of Dash Direct. Unfortunately, the company that was behind Dash Direct, which also is the same company that's behind the Monero gift card thing with, like, Cake Wallet. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. I don't um, use Cake. Yeah, they, uh, they had the same kind of Dash Direct thing where you could buy gift cards for, like, 150,000 locations around the, the country, various big retailers and stuff. That company bailed. They said, you know what? This pressure from the government thugs is too much. We're out. Which so, is good. I love that because it won't be people who think in company terms that launch crypto into the future. It's going to be small, regular people. Well, still, it would have been nice. I mean, it was nice for people to be able to buy their gift cards with Dash through Dash Direct. And uh, unfortunately, that company said, we're not feeling comfortable. And so they exited the crypto business entirely. But that is not the end for those of you who would like to buy discounted gift cards for Dash. Because that was the killer thing about Dash Direct, was you got a discount Hmm. when you paid with your Dash. BitRefill.com also has been accepting dash for years and has a ton of big name retailers and brands including grocers gas stations phone refills and amazon 
and even prepaid MasterCards. Now, not all of them are discounted, but there are some that are in there that do offer uh, a small discount if you pay with uh, cryptocurrency, including Dash. So go to bitrefill.com because you can literally live off of your Dash using bitrefill.com. And uh, you can learn more about Dash in general over at Dash.org. It's one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can learn more over at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. As we go to more of your calls and thoughts and we'll talk more about the cbdc coming up here in a moment uh but first chuck is on the line in washington state go ahead chuck yeah thank you for taking my call i wanted to get back on topic that you uh, were uh getting into in regards to radio callers um i i listened to a station that proudly airs free talk live material kox 1340 in needles california there's a lot of people that call that radio station in the local area that appreciate what you all do, and sometimes you get those contributors on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too bad that all of those callers that contribute to KTOX on their local show doesn't uh, step up and and uh, call Free Talk Live. But it, it, I, I see what you're saying as far as, or I see your concern about the um, the idea that. Uh, or, or concern about the possibility of AM radio going away. But do you think that there's these cycles that um, that w- we might go back to here? Like, for example, we were all going to CDs and or, or tapes, and then CDs, and then in the early 2000s, uh, we decided that you know records were important. You know what I mean? It's You're like, saying uh, things that are old again being new again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility. Do you guys have uh, record collections? Do I do. Have? I have like a very extensive record mm-hmm. collection. That's so interesting because you're the youngest person in the studio. Exactly. And, and so I think um, what he's saying here does have case. some weight. <laughs> well, you make an interesting point, Chuck, that uh, sometimes what's old is new again, although that's not always true, right? I mean, who's bringing back the eight-track tape? <laughs> There's no movement for that, no. right? Like, that's not a thing. Uh, 8-track tapes suck. Uh, tape as a technology sucks. sucks. It is uh, poor technology that had its time, and its time has passed. But Although, that- the, the very best way to listen to music is on a reel-to-reel. <laughs> is that true? Absolutely. I don't know if I believe it. Yeah, it's better than it's album. A, it's better than vinyl. I don't know if I buy. I don't know if I'm buying that. It's for real. Because when, whenever the, the head, the magnetic head on... Uh, whether it's an eight yeah, track, you got to update whatever. your machine. I mean, Whenever you gotta... that head touches that tape, it hurts the, the tape. tape. Mm-hmm. There's a damage that is done, a uh, generation effect, I believe is is what they call it, if I'm recalling correctly. And essentially, the more you play a tape, the worse it's going to sound. So you just cannot get that around sucks. that. But that's with, with records yeah. too, because records get grooved, right? Don't is they? that true? With I don't know. Oh, is that true if with you, records? If you if you take care of them, I mean, it's a big thing, like not scratching them, making mm-hmm. sure you're taking care of them. Cleaning. But do they do they get worse over time? If you're not, I don't, for sure they do. Definitely, I know. Does the needle well, actually? I, yeah, do you I've have to records. replace the needle too? Like having a good quality needle does make right. a difference. Right, also. but but if you play the record over and over and over and over again, it definitely wears out because I've, really? I've worn them out. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I wore out. Uh, I wore out Billy Joel glass houses, wow. I think. Yeah. 
So, Chuck, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, um, and, and I want to be, as somebody who grew up on radio, you know, I'm in my 40s, right? Radio was a thing when I was growing up. It's true for you as well, mm-hmm. uh, Matt. In fact, uh, you used to be on a pirate radio station I as I was also into pirate radio back in the I day. I didn't know you'd remember that. I did. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, and, you know, that, that was something we all grew up with, and you too, I'm sure, Chuck. And nowadays, you know, young people aren't growing up with that habit. Right. Like they're getting they're coming out of the womb and there's a, a phone being slapped in their hands. You know, it's like right early on they're playing the, the video games and such on their phones. These days you've got uh, Generation Z or whatever comes after them. Uh, they are just they're not even hanging out with their friends in real life. I got a whole article about this, that they're not even spending time. Like when we were growing up, you'd go out to the mall or you'd go run around yeah. the neighborhood or whatever. And now you don't Well, now even... they can just TikTok each other right. and Snapchat each other. So they don't even have to be in the same room. If they are in the same room, they're probably still doing yeah, TikTok exactly. to each other. You know, it seems yeah. like I saw mm-hmm. a video online recently. Like It was like a TikTok video or something. But it was of like a, like a 19, like an 18 or 19 year old girl that found like bought a box of stuff at a yard sale and there was a like a tape in it mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and this? she was like what is this <laughs> they you know i i saw a post recently it was a cd player uh, uh-huh. not even a walkman or anything just a regular cd player yep. a portable one and it was in some museum like a boom box kind of thing no with no just, on it? just the little ones that oh. you uh, with the headphones that connects that would be to a portable it. one i think yeah 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 the portable one it was right. In a museum. <laughs> so I don't know, Chuck. Uh, you know, I appreciate your optimism, but I think some technology doesn't come back. And and let me, I'll make the argument. Again, I love radio, but why would someone tune in specifically to music radio? I'll, I'll pick on music radio because at least with talk radio, you could say, well, talk content's original. If a talk station has somebody who's really interesting and that's the only place you can get that content, then they're people are going to go and get that content from that place, right? So you could say that. But with like music radio, they're playing the same old songs that you can get on yeah. Pandora and you can get on, you know, Spotify yeah. and Apple Music and you can get it out on demand. I mean, who really needs the radio program director to select the songs for them? Did you did you go, Chuck? Are you still with us? I think he's gone. Who needs that? I mean, that's why I asked you, Nikki, you're in your 20s, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got girlfriends who are in their 20s. Yep. As you were growing up, uh, how many times did you guys listen to the radio together, driving to school or whatever? A lot, actually. Yeah? Really? Oh, yeah. And okay. I've always kind of had older cars, too, so mm-hmm. I didn't have Bluetooth in my car. You didn't have any fancy you know? stuff. Okay. No. Okay. So I was, if I wanted something besides the radio, I had my stack of CDs. Um, okay. Well, then that's so, something. And then, you that's know, something. But that when was I asked when you I was now, in, yeah. when I asked you now, you know, 10 years later, yeah. right, or not even quite, not quite 10, uh, several years later, you said hardly anybody that you know listens to the radio. Well, not talk radio, specifically ah. talk radio. And I would assume most people, unless, again, like I said, they have an old car mm-hmm. and they haven't, you know, ripped out their stereo to put a new one in that has Bluetooth capabilities. I, You know, the radio is kind of your only option while you're driving. But most people I know have newer cars. And I mean, mm-hmm. even a car that's like a 2010, that's going to have Bluetooth in it a lot yeah. of the times. So and it's not hard why, to... why would you listen to the radio when I can plug my phone in and I can use Spotify or iHeartRadio right. or, you know, Pandora, any of those things, or even my own like curated playlists. I can play on demand any song I want. Wait, um, You mentioned these services that play music do you subscribe to them or do no. you, you get the commercials i have a series no i don't XM have any of those account. actually 
I just use Apple Music on my phone. I make right. my own playlists. And, and that's and included when you buy an iPhone, right? Is you, you have get to a pay subscription extra for oh, you it. you do? Yep. So you are paying for a music service? Yes. Okay. And that's like, what, 10 bucks a month? Uh, five. Five bucks a month. Yeah. And that gets you a lot of music? Pretty much all of it, yeah. Zero commercials? Zero commercials, yeah. And actually, I, I really do like Apple Music because they have a radio feature, which is kind of mm-hmm. like their version Streaming. of like... Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like their version of like iHeartRadio or Pandora, where it's kind of curated for you. You can be like, oh, I want to listen to country music, or I want right. to listen to 90s country music, or whatever you want to listen to. And they kind of just feed you songs. Yeah. And you can and punch them up or down have, if you don't like them. Yep. That kind of thing. And then they also have playlists that are, are made. So And you can find other people's playlists. So right. a lot of my friends, Share they're like, around. we like your music, so they go find my playlists. Yeah, I mean, back so. in the old days, uh, that would be somebody would hand you a cassette tape and they yep. would record or their Burt, favorite songs on there, Burt right? Or CDs, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the new version of that. Yep. But, uh, I mean, that five bucks a month for all of that. And then you go and tune into a radio station. It's like, okay, we'll be back after five minutes of commercials. I mean, yeah. who wants to put and up with that? So I, I listen to mostly classic rock. Mm-hmm. And it's really a lot of, especially in the area we're in, the classic rock stations, I swear, it's like the same 20 songs over and over again. It's probably 180, since I was but it feels like a child. Yeah, it yeah feels but like it, it feels ones. that way. But, and I, it's, you never get the it's deep cuts. It's been for the past, right? like, 10, 15 years at least, they never have anything different. Yeah, yeah and none of the B, B tracks or the deep cuts. Yeah. It's just, you know, more well, than a, a feeling by Boston yeah, over I'm, and over and over again. There's a and reason like, why those songs are the hits, right? Because people, good, believe it or not, want to hear them over and over again. That's, I mean, they've been, yeah. the radio stations have done studies for years on this stuff. Yeah. But obviously, if a uh, aficionado like yourself who appreciates the deep cuts, that you're just not interested in yeah. in that particular radio station. I have uh, so. I have serious satellite radio because you do a lot of driving. I do a lot of driving, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have it specifically because they have one station on there that I love for nerdy reasons. But it's, it's called awesome. Yacht Yacht Rock. Yeah, Nikki getting <laughs> Nikki it's gets so good. tired. Nikki gets tired of it. But it's like they, they do play like the same twenty songs. It's all Christopher yeah. Cross. But, and, but oh, even okay. what you're talking about on the Sirius XM or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. they have like. 200 sta- yeah, you can stations to, to choose stuff, from right. and they they have a deep cut station mm-hmm. they have a grateful dead and a fish station like right. they kind of have this like edgy type of music that you're not going to listen gonna get to on the radio exactly yeah. so yeah. i think they have they kind of and what are you paying per month for that i have no idea <laughs> i don't know he doesn't even care that's how good it is I, did I, it come with the car and then you just came with the car i had it in my in my vw too mm-hmm. and i just continued it on um i had a complaint about it where i was going to drop it and they said well how about we deeply they lowered discount the price it? and they yeah. like gave me like they didn't just slightly discount it they deeply dropped Whoa. the price so i was like yeah okay, okay fine. i'm in i think they were charging me like forty dollars a month or something like mm-hmm. that and so that's 20 that, now or something yeah 15. no they dropped it to like eight dollars wow. a month. It, yeah, but so. you know what i heard they're not doing so good yeah, well, I think that's why they wanted to keep because that people do. You know, it's a step above that music radio that you're mm-hmm. going to get just on your car. Yep. But it's still a few steps below plugging your phone into the Bluetooth mm-hmm. and being able to choose whatever you want. They do have many millions of customers, so I expect they're doing all right. But uh, but again, that comes back to the conversation we were having earlier when I asked you, Liberty Media. I'm pretty sure they own. Sirius XM. Are you, it's not in their list of things that it says they own. Really? I thought it yeah. was. Oh, I, I thought you sworn. said it did. I mean, I, you know, I I don't pay close attention, but I do read the industry trades. And I remember when, when Matt was reading off the list a few segments ago, I swear he said Sirius XM. Asset list. 
Well, anyway, let's continue. They got me wanting to look it up. We can continue this uh, here. LibertyMedia.com, SiriusXM Group comprises our ownership in Sirius XM and Live Nation mm. Entertainment. Yeah. As of April 30th of this year, they owned 82.4% of Sirius XM. Huh. So there you go. Same scumbags. That's huge, yep. <laughs> uh, and I was surprised that they own the Atlanta Braves and they own wow. form, they own Formula 1. Ooh, that's crazy. Formula 1 is that's a weird thing for them, but it's huge. Let's go to the phones. We have Skeeter on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Skeeter. We know. Hey, hey Skeeter, what do you know? Nothing. That's a but, good answer. Uh, oh, that's great. Why should we listen to you? Maybe I'm interesting. Well, if you know uh, nothing, okay. I don't know if that's going to be very interesting. But go ahead. What do you got? I'm just trying to be a little self-deprecating. Maybe he gives me some credibility. I'm really not, but... Uh, okay, so you know how I, I say you guys aren't really true propo- proponents of the market? I called in to challenge how you view the market, uh, how it will be post-government, you know, after, like, let's say, government collapse or your foolish idea of uh, repealing it somehow uh, or convincing others to repeal it. So I think libertarian needs to re- libertarianism uh, needs to rethink uh, what the market really is. And if I'm right, your movement will need a type of, uh, like, a libertarian Copernican revolution. Right? So that's why I'm here. What does that even mean? You're here to start a revolution? Uh, Yeah, define a libertarian Copernican (laughs) revolution. (laughs) So you guys are, uh, you guys center your movement around freedom, non-aggression, and uh, rights. I think you guys only need to rethink this because you don't understand what the market will be even after, let's say, you uh, manage to get rid of democracy. Right. But the great so, Skeeter uh, understands what the market will be in the future. Please lay it out there, Master. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm an evolutionary utilitarian, right? I've said that before. You might have forgotten it. Uh, who bases morality? All I remember is you are a utilitarian, which to me is somebody who no. is willing to enforce no. their views by violence if they believe it's necessary, and that's all I need to know about when you. Strawmanning begins again. Strawmanning. Uh, that's what does, a utilitarian is, dude. And you've you already said tonight already that you don't support the things that libertarians support, like free markets. No, I I, I support. I totally support the market. I just disagree with what the market will be after the government. That's you said you want to, to keep the government there. around. You specifically said we ought to change how we view and keep the no. government around, which is a monopoly on violence that uses the threat of violence against peaceful people to enforce its views, which always benefit their friends and punish their enemies. Could you uh, stop strawmanning me? I said I want to accelerate government so it collapses faster. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. You're an accelerationist. Okay, so what's, uh, what's this Copernicus thing? Okay, so uh, I'm an evolutionary utilitarian, right? I base morality in the mechanism of evolution, right? So I start with evolution. I see what it's trying to do, and I base my morality around that. I'm trying to help it accomplish what it. Are you what following him yet, do, Matt? Is, think, so he sounds like the type of person who could turn out to be genocidal, because if that <laughs> if that works to the end of I if mean, it's it, what he wants, if, right? Yeah. yeah. If well, you know the for the good of the people. Know, if, if the, the X Y Z people aren't you know moving along quickly enough, or they're holding back evolution, then we should just help evolution kill them off, which it will do eventually anyway. That sounds like what he's. No, no. 
No, I can see how you would uh, people can misconstrue that. You know, you can get into like uh, genocide or uh, what Hitler did with eugenics. I can see how it can be misconstrued. But no, uh, nature is not a zero sum game, right? So you can see in nature it's beneficial to cooperate, trade, exchange, you know, that type. Mm-hmm. But it's not always a guarantee. So don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying with like something like genocide, which makes uh, society uh, less efficient normally. I mean, there can be a case where uh, if there's a population of people that are trying to kill another, I mean, but that still doesn't violate your non-aggression principle. But I, I'm digressing. So let me get back on track. Right. I'm not even uh, sure what you said, but uh, you were going to tell yeah, us about the Copernicus thing or whatever it was called. The, the Copernican revolution you guys need. Right. Yeah, tell so us what we need. The, so I think that your misunderstanding of the market. So I think the market will be very different from how you envision it after after government, right? Post government, I think uh, I've derived the fact that the market will be an uncaring evolutionary machine, right? A machine that doesn't hold freedom and non-aggression as a principle, and I don't believe the market will respect natural rights as you see them. Okay. Well, uh, here's what you're I, missing, uh, at least from my perspective, is the market we want to be in is a market full of people that understand human rights, a market of people that understand the value of freedom. I could see what Skeeter was would be saying if, like, in communist China or California where he lives, and you just pressed a button tomorrow and then the government were gone, you would still have a bunch of psychopaths and sociopaths living nearby you that would still want to do crazy, violent things uh, to their neighbors and justify them somehow, which is, of course, exactly what the government allows. But if we actually have a population of people who, let's say, have migrated to New Hampshire, who are liberty-minded individuals who manage to persuade their neighbors that liberty is the best answer to all of society's problems it's not a utopia there's still going to be problems there's still going to be issues in the market in the free market but that the solution to these problems lies in the absence of the coercive state people that want to come to a place like that would have a very different market than whatever you've got there in california skeeter except kids right right Ian? what except kids and what does that have to do with anything kids right what you're talking about you're talking about a market that respects uh, non-aggression, but you have already admitted to me that aggression is okay with respect to parent with kids or when. He always goes back to that for some reason. Yeah, he does. Do you have any other questions I for mean, this guy, no, Matt? I since mean, it's your first time with him, nah, nah. All right, have he a nice sounds night. dark. Yeah, it does yeah. get it does get dark, and that's the thing too. I just don't whether that is the natural evolution of the market, and like you were saying, Ian, you know, depending on. The population of people and depending on, you know, location where this would happen, you're going to get a different result. Right. For me personally, I don't really want to be neighbors or trade with people who don't value my rights Mm -hmm. and who believe in acting aggressively with me. Like, why would I even want to? I mean, we could coexist, I suppose, but... That's not who I'm going to, you know, want to be my neighbor or want to work with or want to trade with. Right. That's why I said when we were talking earlier about the Live Nation company coming in and taking over one of your favorite music festivals and forcing all the vendors to only accept credit card. Yeah. Nothing else. That's why I said if that were me, I'd finish the day. You know, I'd go and I'd enjoy the reason why I went to the show, which was to see the the bands. But I would be like, no more. I'm not coming back to this this show. I don't. This is not the kind of 
group that I want to do business with. And I understand that's hard to do in the corporate world, right? Like, you know, it's hard to go out and buy things in life that are, you know, not coming from these big corporations. They all do objectionable things at one level or another. But at least at Walmart, I can go in and lay down some cash and buy some toothpaste if yeah. uh, if I need to. They haven't gone all in on the total banker world like this this Live Nation thing, and and that's making a choice to not do business with some organization that's trying to shoehorn people and is is literally using near coercion. I mean, you can't quite call it coercion against their vendors because they still have the choice to be at the festival, but to basically drop the hammer on these people that you know have for years lived on cash sales, that that is their bread and butter. That is what If you are doing festival vending, you're living on cash. Yeah. Like Most of these guys don't take credit cards. They're not interested in taking Because it costs money to do right. that. It's 3% and, at least. Uh, the scary part about it is, is essentially, and we're seeing a lot of places, you know, it's not just this one festival. A lot of places, a lot of restaurants and, mm-hmm. and things like that are only doing credit card now. And that's, I don't see it that often. That's scary. But I have seen it some places. Yeah. And it is scary because for people who don't have a credit card or right. don't have the means to get a credit card. What do they that do? That is essentially, like, what if you have, you know, a... Uh, a homeless person or a low-income person yep. who, you know, maybe they work for cash, whatever. You're telling me that because they don't have a credit card, they shouldn't deserve to eat at your establishment? Or instead, it they feels have to, gross. Right. Or they have to go into Walmart or whatever, get one of those prepaid cards off the shelf, pay for the prepaid card, then pay more money to load the cash yeah. onto the prepaid card, which is never cheap. It's, you know, $5 fee usually at minimum from what I understand. Then maybe they can take that card in, and maybe it'll work at the register, although I'm pretty sure those cards are kind of on and off. Like, they don't always work at yeah, all I've places. Yeah, I've had some that don't work. So, so like, what do you do? You know, you put your last 20 bucks on one of those, and now it doesn't work. But I think Skeeter is right, too. The, the only thing he's right about is that markets will not necessarily be what you think. Right. They're also not going to be what Skeeter thinks, either, Correct. necessarily. We can't predict. There'll be lots of things, lots of yeah. places. Yeah, and, and, and they will reflect the needs and the preferences of the people that they're serving. So if you're living in a very conservative place, it's probably going to be hard to find an abortion. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, So move to a place that's more like you. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour here. we got time for you if you want to join the show. Number is 603-283-6160. Coming up, the haunted town in Connecticut, apparently, where it's illegal to even go. Nikki's going to share that story, but we started out, as I said earlier, with a scarier story, which is one about the CBDC, the central bank digital currency that has launched in Jamaica. And the Financial Times having a story about it. Not so big as far as adoption is concerned. Below 10% of Jamaicans have uh, loaded up their jam decks, as it's called. The jam, J-A-M-D-E-X, which they say, no cash, no problem. That's apparently the tagline for this. They are one of four... Uh, according to the Financial Times, leaving out China for for some reason, one of four countries. Oh, okay, maybe they're qualifying this by saying it is "quote unquote" fully launched because China is oh, not yeah. fully launched across the whole country. 
but uh, apparently Bahamas has a CBDC. The Eastern Caribbean has one. Nigeria has one. And now Jamaica, where 357 million Jamaican dollars were spent in 2022 on their jam decks, the CBDC. But that is just a small fraction of the 4.7 trillion Jamaican dollars in electronic retail transactions for that year. So then we got into the question of, well, you know, why aren't people picking up on this yet? And, uh, well, first of all, you have to have some place to actually spend the CBDC. And there's been a lack of merchant sign-up. So this year, the finance ministry announced that they've got incentive programs where they're going to try to bribe people to sign up for the CBDC. In the case of small and micro merchants, they're offering upwards of 10,000 locations, food stores, gas stations, hair salons, you know, that kind of thing, with 25,000 Jamaican dollars, which is about 164 bucks. So if you're running a business, and Matt, you're a businessman, uh, somebody comes to you, a sales guy comes to you, he wants you to start accepting the... This new payment system, ignoring that it's a CB, it's a CBDC. Let's say it's not that, and he says he's willing to pay you one hundred and sixty-four dollars to get on board with this. Is that going to incentivize you? You're going to take a serious look at it. I would look at it, but I would be curious as to why anybody would want to pay me to use something that they, it seems like they should be selling me. Indeed. Uh, and in this case, they're also going to be offering a wallet holder individual loyalty program, which will give loyalty points redeemed for cashback to the individual users. So that's what they have to do. They got to con- they've got to convince the business owner to sign on, and they got to convince the individual users to sign on. It's kind of a chicken or the egg problem. This is something similar to what the credit card companies encountered early on, right? Because like the credit card sales guy would be beating the streets, knocking on pay, you know pushing pavement, knocking on doors and going into businesses and saying, trying to explain to a business why they should adopt this entirely new system when cash has been working fine for decades. Why would someone want to pay 3% to take this plastic card on when no one's, no one's asking to, none of their customers are asking for it, so why would they take it? So it's like, how do you start getting people to accept a new payment system? It's not easy. And the cryptocurrency world has been experiencing this as well, right? Like, how do you get local business owners to accept something that, honestly, their customers aren't clamoring mm-hmm. for? And the answer is the customers should clamor for it a little bit. That's what, that's what we found here in Keene, New Hampshire, which had at one time, and I think may still uh, hold the title for most crypto-accepting businesses per capita, per capita. in the United States— um, I, you know, if I'm wrong about that, please let me know. But I think we still have it, even though we've lost a few since the FBI raided our studio and some of our friends' houses a few years ago. And things have kind of fallen off the radar a little bit since then. Plus, the price of the crypto go- has gone down, and it's a little harder to sell crypto when the price has been going down as opposed to uh, to going up. But we found that it is easier to get businesses on board when you have a network of people, a marketplace, a community, uh, some economic strength people that are actually willing to spend cryptocurrency when they go into a local business uh, that they are a customer of because it's a whole other story if you're a total stranger a sales guy coming into town going knocking on doors talking to people you've never met before and it's another story if you are the local who's a regular customer or even an irregular customer somebody that they're going to recognize and you say hey are you taking bitcoin yet or are you taking uh, cryptocurrency here yet the answer is going to be no but if it's the owner of the business, he or she may 
make a mental note. And then the next time somebody else asks, they may say to themselves, you know, maybe this is worth looking into. And that's actually happened here. Mm-hmm. That's how it happened with uh, Wilder Auto, which is the company in town that takes uh, crypto or took crypto. He says he hasn't had anyone asked to pay in over a year hmm. with uh, cryptocurrency. I'm not allowed to. I would, my, but I work on my own cars. Yeah, so. under my bail conditions, I'm not allowed to. Um, so, And he's got some issues that he needs to get worked out with wallets and stuff like that. So, again, it just goes to show when the customers aren't using, the business owner is going to fall away. And unfortunately, that's the that's the reality of it. So you have to have a community of people who's willing to spend. That will com- convince the business owners to come on board. But the people who are willing to spend have to actually spend. They have to actually show up, whether it's good times or bad times, whether the price is up or, or down. The cryptocurrency community needs to keep coming out. And that's the real tricky, uh, tricky part. So anyway, they're encountering the same thing with the CBDC because they haven't done the thing that you would expect governments to do, which is use the club to use the threat of violence against these companies to say, you must accept the CBDC. If you don't accept the CBDC, you're going to prison. That all of a sudden will get people on board, right? But they haven't done that yet. They're still they're still trying to use the carrot instead of the stick. Mm-hmm. So that's where they're at here. That's why they're trying to bribe people. So we had talked about, like, well, what will the United States government thugs do here when the CBDC comes to the U.S.? Now, to be clear, it hasn't been approved for the U.S. yet. They've just been doing experiments. It's possible it won't ever happen, but is it likely? I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. Is it likely that it won't happen? It seems more likely that it's going to happen because it gives them more power. It gives them more control over the money system. Could you imagine going cashless? No, like have, I mean, and that's exactly what they're all trying for. They want to be cashless because why? Why would a government? You know what they're going to tell people that? Well, it's costly to print money, and it's costly. You know, the printing presses cost money. We have to maintain them. Well, we know what it really is. You know, a they lot want of the people. Control. Yeah, they, the they want to be able to spy on every transaction. You, could yeah. you imagine and stop transactions? You know, you want to go? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'll just literally halt transactions from occurring, so you can't trade. Could you imagine wanting to go out on a date with your wife? Mm-hmm. So you need a babysitter. There's a 15-year-old girl up the street that wants to babysit for you, says it all the time. So you call her up, and you have to pay her with central bank digital currency. And now, at the she's end unlicensed. of the year, she's, uh, A, she's unlicensed, and B, you got to send her a 1099 so she oh, can be God. properly tech. Could you imagine having to send a 1099 no. to the little kid that shovels your driveway when it nope. snows? It's crazy. Yeah, And that's and why that's, it's important th- for us exactly to have- That's exactly what they'll do. Well, that's why it's important for us to have alternative forms of currency. Right. So not just hoarding cash, gold backs, crypto, crypto. you know, um, silver, things that like even physical things that you can trade with people that are valuable. And they can't so, control it. Right. Exactly. And this is a, what we're talking about here is a perfect example of how obsolete not only government, but the banking system is just super archaic and obsolete but the people who are in control of it and have enjoyed the luxury of being in possession of all that power for generations are now realizing that they're in trouble from this cryptocurrency thing Mm -hmm. they don't have a natural monopoly they this isn't this is a monopoly they they can really enforce with a stick and a gun all the time because once, you know, like I said, the genie's out of the bottle. It's only a matter of time. When they raided us, they had a lot of questions for me about Monero. They mm-hmm. were, I know they raided about Bitcoin, but they didn't ask me anything mm-hmm. about Bitcoin. They wanted to know everything I could tell them about Monero, though. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, 
huh, why are you asking? You know, what's what's the big deal? Were you wearing that? that shirt? No, I was wearing an Edge wallet shirt. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the agents comes in, and I, I'm handcuffed to a chair, and I'm being not hostile, but obstinate. Yeah. And uh, he goes, so you like Edge wallet? I said, mm. and I just looked at, he's the only one that caught me off guard out mm-hmm. of all of them. I was like, how do you know I, I, I like Edge wallet? He goes, you're wearing the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, there was a little levity in that, that right, moment there. Good. But uh, but yeah, they're, uh, the Monero thing in, in particular, how they behaved about Monero. And they, you know, they asked me, why do you like Monero so much? And I said, because it keeps the business of people like you, mm-hmm. or it keeps the noses of people like you out of the business of people like me. Right. And they all, just shut them down. Like, mm. that was all they needed to hear. And it, I think they kind of knew that that was the reality. And there ain't a whole lot that they can do about Too bad. that. Too bad. You know? Yeah, so that's why I, you know, they, I'm wearing a Monero shirt right now. I ordered seven pairs of Monero socks for my wedding, but they didn't get there in time for my groomsmen to wear. You know, uh, I, you know, I, I take this seriously. I want people to know about Monero for these reasons. If the if the powers that be are that afraid of Monero, mm-hmm. then we're over the target. Indeed, you don't take flack unless you're over the target, right. which is true. But I got to give them credit. Uh, this is a pretty creative idea, because, uh, the idea of giving uh, loyalty points for people spending in the CBDC. Because we were trying to figure out, like, what are they going to do to, you know, use the carrot to try yeah, to get people to sign up? And what I had thought of originally was that they're going to use welfare and I think they they will they may, uh, you know, yeah. like tax returns, welfare, any kind of payout that you're going to get from the government. They're going to say, well, you can have it now if you just sign up for our CBDC wallet. And there it is. Right. Or maybe they'll come up with like a UBI, a universal basic income. But that only pays out if you take the CBDC. Right. Yeah. So those kind of incentives. But also this is, a, this is a good idea to give people loyalty points that can then be redeemed for cash back, whatever that means, a discount, I presume, on future purchases. That uh, is smart because it sort of echoes what some of the cryptos have done. Remember, we had Dash back here in Keene a few years ago where uh, the uh, the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization had approved the guys at AnyPay, which was a payments platform, still is, a uh, payments platform that all the businesses in the area were accepting payments on, crypto payments, and they uh, were giving up to... Was it five percent or something? There was a certain amount. I remember that. Whenever you bought something with Dash, you would get an instant payback in your wallet. Like you'd pay pay for the thing that you were going to pay for with Dash, and then within seconds you'd get a refund, like an instant rebate. Essentially, from Dash, right? From well, I mean, effectively it was from Dash, but it came from AnyPay because they got paid by the Dash DAO to do this, and it it, it absolutely incentivized people to go sure. out there and spend Dash in the same way that Dash Direct was incentivizing people to spend dash if you can give people a discount this is like what you were talking about when you're going to sell food at the porcupine freedom festival and maybe fork fest next year you're going to give a discount significant discount for people who are paying cryptocurrency and an even deeper discount for people paying a monero so it sounds like they may be doing something Mm -hmm. similar with the cbdc and that may incentivize some people to get on board with this but the question is how much can they do with the carrot before they have to utilize the stick. And that we have not yet really seen put into place yet. I mean, maybe so in China. I'm not sure what level of coercion they're using to get people to use the Chinese CBDC at this point. So we'll reserve comments on that one. But, you know, in in Nigeria, for instance, there was a story several months ago about what they were doing, which seemed like maybe a sneak attempt 
to try to force the CBDC without actually, quote-unquote, forcing it. What they did there was they announced that they were going to change out the designs of the Nigerian Naira, the physical currency. So I think it was like, you know, fives, tens, fifties, whatever, hundred, whatever they, the denominations were. And they announced that the three most uh, expensive denominations, which weren't worth a lot in the U.S., but, you know, the, the most expensive Nairas were going to be changed out. So you're going to exchange your Naira physical for new physical Naira. And if you don't, then the old stuff isn't going to work anymore. Right. I remember that. You're going to be telling the businesses, look, you can't accept. We're not going to. The banks will not accept the old Naira past this date. So therefore, the businesses wouldn't accept the old Naira because they couldn't take them to the bank. They wouldn't be worth anything. So there was these deadlines that the central bank put in place. And wasn't there mayhem after that? Total mayhem. People were out in the streets destroying bank buildings, destroying right. bank frontages, destroying ATMs. Yeah, the, and Just, the bankers, like the bank the bank employees were locking themselves in the bank. And some like, of them were running out the back door, putting mm-hmm. ladders up over the, the walls with uh, barbed wire and trying to run out the back. While these people are like throwing firebombs in the you know wow. the front entrance and just totally destroying the place. Did, what are people going to learn? You should not be working for these evil institutions. But the reason they were so mad wasn't because of the trade out per se. It was because the government botched it. Now, here's how they botched it. Now, what did they? Now, the question is, did they do this on purpose or was it just bureaucratic incompetence? So what they did was they said, well, you got by this date, you you're going to have this window. I don't know if it was like a month or two months. It wasn't that long, you know, a quarter of a year or something like that. You've got this window of time in which you can take all your cash that you've got stored in your mattress. Because these are Nigerians. They're, they're not banked generally right, as a right, populace, yeah. right? They don't have a bank account, mo- a lot of them, a significant amount of them. 40% of them don't have bank accounts, something like that. Very high number. So they know they're, they're holding cash. They know they're storing cash. And so this was an excuse to get cash or bankless people to come into banks to get an account to exchange their Naira old style for the new style. Thing is, the banks didn't have enough cash to turn over. So you got lines of people who are angry because they know this cash is going to run out of, of date, essentially, and there won't be any good. They won't be able to spend it anywhere. And they're being told, well, we're sorry, we're out of the new stuff. We don't have any new stock. And so these people were like, F this, and they just took to the streets and just started destroying the banks. I mean, it was just, it was crazy uh, to, to watch some of the videos of some of the destruction that was, was going on there uh, because of this. But so, like, the question is, did they do that on purpose? You know, because they ended up extending the deadline, you know, because they... Well, they're going to have to, yeah. you know. Well, because people couldn't buy anything yeah. anymore. Because the businesses were like, well, pff, we can't take this to the bank. So we're not going to take this old stuff. Well, this yeah. is all I have. I can't take it to the bank either. How am yeah. I supposed to buy my groceries? So it was a really crazy situation. I haven't heard any updates on it. So if you know what's been going on in Nigeria, and, and so you know, this is what they're doing with the cash. They're telling people you got to exchange your cash or else it's going to run out of, of date. So were they doing this to secretly say, well, you know, you could have the CBDC that we have here, and then you don't have to deal with all this cash exchange. Hey, how about this? You could take your CBDC, or sorry, your cash that you have, and instead of getting new cash, we'll just give you the CBDC instead. You know that was happening. That yeah. had to be happening. 
like oh sorry we're sold out of the new cash but we do have this cbdc over here it's just as good how about yeah. you take that and even today a lot of people don't even use cash anymore mm-hmm. you know it's it's becoming rare that you'll find somebody with cash in their wallet because a lot of people that just work those regular w-2 jobs get the direct deposit into their bank account mm-hmm. use their debit card use a credit card and that's it and do you see that with your friends as well some of them yeah mm-hmm. it, I, well, it depends too so like i used to waitress and bartend and my friends who still do that kind of work you're getting cash you in. always have cash right so oh, that yeah. makes sense that makes sense there but uh the, the one of the guys with gold back the company that makes Goldback, goldback.com is their website. They're not a sponsor, but I really love what they do. Yeah, they're great. Highly recommend them. Um, he was giving a really interesting speech last year at the Porcupine Freedom Festival where he explained that what they're doing to young people is they're essentially getting them on these cards early on. Like as soon as, I guess, you know, some parents can have a debit card issued yeah, to and their, their kids names. Yeah, or and whatever. then kind of use it and start to build up their credit score Early on, I don't think that would build credit, but if you're oh a debit, if it's card. A debit I, I've card, I've heard people do it with credit cards as well. Okay, but. maybe so. Um, but the idea of getting the plastic card in their hand, he points out that this is bad because whenever you go and you pay with a card, how many times are you actually pulling up? Let's say it's uh, it's a debit card. Mm-hmm. So how many times do you actually pull up your bank account or your PayPal balance or whatever the issuer is and check your balance before you swipe the card? Yeah, not all. I mean, I don't. Very rarely, right? Yeah. If it, I just if assume there's enough money in there. Right. And so what he pointed out was that essentially we're training the youth of America to just spend, spend, to spend. Just spend. Yeah. And the, the real key that he, the, the key point he made was, is if you're spending with a card, you don't have the feeling of loss that's the same yes, as actually. it's a real physical thing right. that you're losing. Yeah, pulling or trading, your cash, rather. right? You're pulling cash out of your purse or your wallet. You're counting it out. You're handing it over and maybe getting some change back or whatever. Yeah. That whole process that is gone. Yeah. No, and there is something important, I believe, in counting out the money for you to fully understand mm-hmm. how much money you're spending. And I knew when I was waitress, it was almost a lot easier for me to budget because mm-hmm. I would have a set amount of money in my wallet. The rest would go to the bank or the safe or wherever I'm putting it. Because right. obviously you don't want to spend all the money you're making. And when you're a waitress, it's pretty much all tips. Yeah. So I would say maybe like, you know, here's 500 bucks for the week, whatever. And you I knew would exactly know, what you had. I knew exactly what I had. Right. And when it was gone, it was gone. But with the debit card, you know, depending on how much money you're keeping in your checking account, you can just spend, 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 overdraft your account. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just lets you. And it is like becoming really toxic because, I mean, people, a lot of kids these days, they don't know how to balance a checkbook. They're not keeping order of their finances. And it's, well, and it's kind of by design because with the credit cards and you need, you know, you need your credit score and you mm-hmm. need to build credit. It is creating a culture of just being in debt. Like it's normal right. to be in debt. It's normal to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. Yeah. It's normal to not pay off your credit card at the end of the month and have credit right. card debt. You know, it's normal to finance a car and all of these things are very normal in our culture with previously, uh, do you think you, people were getting mortgages like 200, 300 years ago? Probably not. You know, you kind of just... You could buy a house for a few thousand dollars. I mean, 100 years ago. You know. But uh, you're absolutely right about that. And so it is a... Uh, and these are bad financial habits that you're talking about. And so, absolutely. So people spending from these debit cards and credit cards, 
They're not checking balances. They don't know how much they have. They don't really know how much they're losing. And that's what the the kids, quote unquote, kids today don't understand is that if they've never handled cash, then they don't have the same feeling of I'm spending something. There's something an amount is being deducted. I do not have as much as I had before. It just doesn't have the same hit. For for some kids, it's like it's almost not even real money. You know, mm-hmm. they they get a credit right. card, maybe you know whatever, like two thousand dollar limit. They they almost feel like it's free money, and it's unfortunate because it seems like their parents are failing them in a way, yes. not teaching them these these financial skills. But I see a lot of you know people in their forties and fifties and thirties who are in a lot of debt. So it's mm-hmm. you know it's kind of being passed down generation to generation, where it's just normal to be in debt. It's normal to live beyond your means because you can just charge right. it to the credit card That's the and I'll, way. I'll pay it off when I can pay it off. Well, guess what? You're getting charged monthly mm-hmm. for the amount of money you have on that credit card. So it's not free money. Nope. People are spending a lot of money in those fees. They don't want you to get out of that debt. They want you no to way. stay in that debt. Yeah, they want you to keep paying the fees. Uh, despite less than stellar results from places that took an early plunge, CBDCs are continuing their shaky march. The Bank for International Settlements re- recently surveyed 86 central banks, of which 90, uh, 93% of them have engaged, quote-unquote, with digital currencies. The broad category includes central banks which have carried out research, like New Zealand or the U.S., and are developing a CBDC, like the European Central Bank, piloting one like China. We can tell you a little bit more coming up, plus the ghost town on the way. Talk Live. You can join the show if you want. We're talking about the CBDC. Is it inevitability that this is coming to the United States? Well, right now, the answer could still be no. It might not be inevitable, but it sure as hell seems like it. They're, they're spending a lot of money and a lot of time developing potential CBDC or central bank digital currencies here in the United States. Uh, not there has not been a chosen winner. There's different uh, technician types. MIT, for instance, is involved in the research. So there's a lot riding on this. Uh, it seems like something that's going to be happening, but it hasn't yet been authorized. So it's still not a done deal here yet. A lot of eyes are currently on countries like Nigeria and Jamaica, which do have actual what they call retail CBDCs. They're in production. They're available in the marketplace. And not too many people seem that interested uh, in these things. It's Ian, Matt, and Nikki here tonight. We're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts, and then Nikki's going to tell us in a little bit about the uh, haunted town in Connecticut that is apparently illegal to visit. But first, Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Well, that sounds intriguing. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, over a year ago, I filed for Social Security. And they sent me my first check. And on the back of the envelope, it said, you must um, register a bank account with the government for your Social Security checks to arrive promptly and on time or something like mm. that. And then a couple months after that, I started getting notices inside the letters. You are in violation or noncompliance or some hoorah. And I'm like, the government does not have the right to demand that I give them a freaking bank account. Yeah, you so are I'm not. You should not be that. obligated to have a bank account ever. Right, and I bet you everybody that's getting Social Security 
I bet I dare anybody to call in saying they're getting their Social Security and it isn't direct deposit. Because I've been making these bozos send me a check, a paper check in the mail for over a year now. And mm. uh, guess what? I haven't gotten a call from the feds. Okay, here's mm. I'm curious though. What do you do, Major, with the check? If you don't have a bank account to deposit in, can you just go to Walmart or something and get the check cashed? Well, the last one, I rode around with it in my wallet for a minute, and I was dead broke. I was down in Hubbard Lake, a little podunk town. And I went to the party store there, and it's a government check. I got my ID, mm-hmm. so they have no, you know, it's not like a two-third party, something stupid. They, they, they have full faith in it. So the party so most, store most, took most, the, most anybody, they cashed your check? Yeah, most anybody that doesn't have some kind of a serious bounce check policy, okay. you know, from doing business in the ghetto and whatnot is, uh, I mean, this is Northern Michigan. People are honest, basically. Okay. All right. That's cool. You know, I got, I got, I, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but, uh, you were talking about the, the CBDC. Is that what you Yeah. Guys the central like? bank digital currency. Yep. Well, that made me think of the CDC and they just announced here. They're trying to scare mm-hmm. the hell out of us. Now the deer got COVID. Oh, really? Oh, no come kidding. on. Yeah, so I thought I, they were done I'm with the COVID down, thing. I'm driving down the road tonight, and there's 15, 20 deer grazing in a bean field, and a little fawn starts to try to run out with me, probably trying to catch up with his mama. So I blow the horn a couple, three times, and I look at the herd, and the, half of them had turned and looked at me, and they were wearing funny blue masks. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Major. So you're one of the holdouts on this, and and what is you? What do you say that the percentage is of people who are receiving Social Security who are like you? What do you think? Three uh, percent, maybe. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you holding out, man, and thanks for calling and sharing the story yeah. here tonight. You got- the number is 603-283-6160. Let's change gears into something a little more weird. Nikki, you've got a story tonight about a alleged haunted town. Yep. But this isn't just a tourist attraction. In fact, it's the opposite. Yes. They're keeping it's, tourists out. That's true. So there's a haunted town in America that's been entirely abandoned and illegal to visit. Although many things divide or bring people closer together. One thing that almost always invokes an opinion is ghosts. Whose story is this, by the way? Where so is this, this come is, from? I've found this, um, one was the, I think it was on the New York Times. This mm-hmm. particular one is the Premier Daily. Um, okay. Just want to give credit where credit's yeah. due. Um, for some, there's no possible way that ghosts could be real. Meanwhile, others swear that they've been in the presence of one. Uh, Matt in our studio mm-hmm. has made that uh, statement many times. Lots of times. Yeah. Either way, it's fun to speculate. However, a haunted town in Connecticut has been deemed to be in such despair that it is illegal to visit. So here's the twisted history of a haunted town. The haunted town in Connecticut has an interesting and complex history that some have speculated dates as far back to the 1500s. However, Dudley Town, Connecticut wasn't settled until the 1740s and 1750s. Dudley Town. Dudley Town, yes. Okay. Eerily in a valley called Dark Entry Forest. Perhaps a coincidence. Mm. Perhaps not. Interestingly, interestingly, the haunted town was abandoned in the 1800s. Dudley Town was first settled by Thomas Griffiths, who was later joined by Gideon Dudley, hence the name Dudley Town. 
His family followed shortly after, and by 1753, the Dudleys were on a mission to find a fresh start. So this goes a little bit deeper into the history, just people that were um, were living there. So legend has it, Gideon Dudley fled to America hoping to avoid a longtime family curse after his father was beheaded. Unfortunately, the Dudleys are believed to have been partaking in sort of dark magic, invoking a mythical book thought to open the gates of hell. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of story here. Sounds like Evil Dead or something. Yeah. As a result, some have speculated they and anyone whom they come into contact with are doomed. Therefore, onlookers attribute the town's numerous unexplainable tragedies to the curse that the Dudleys had so desperately tried to outrun. Hmm. Though it is short-lived history, the haunted town has a reputation for repeated murders, suicide, or failed businesses. It is in Connecticut, though, right? (laughs) Yes, but this is before Connecticut became Connecticut. This is like colonial Connecticut. Where Do you know where this is? Because when you actually search for it on Google Maps, it doesn't come up. Yeah, because it's not a real town. So it's, it's a real place, but it's not... A town listed. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what county it's in. There's One of the articles called, I read. There is a Dudley Town Hill, which is apparently a you know mountain or so, a hill or something. So this but, is in the northwestern. Yeah, this is by area Cornwall of Connecticut. Yes. So it's by Cornwall. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's um, apparently I, I a Dudley forget. Town Hill. You know, there, there's all kinds of dead towns all over New England. I mean, mm-hmm. there's you know. But my thing is, where is this place? Because I'm pretty familiar with Connecticut. I have a lot of friends in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, in that region too, so I'm wondering, like someone, a lot of people don't even know this exists. So you would think that someone would have stumbled upon it. Maybe it's deep in the forest, just kind of covered it's been by grown trees, up, gr- grown over. Yeah, because at mm-hmm. this point, you know, there's houses there and you know old structures there, but it's pretty much just what you would envision: abandoned, run down. Are there pictures of this place in the yep, in the article? There are, okay. yeah. All right. So while there are countless unexplained phenomena. A few of the most interesting include a family who all faced sudden doom after their relative, Nathaniel Carter, moved to Dudley Town. Six of his re- relatives died of cholera, and the rest were killed upon fleeing town and settling in New York. Hmm. Meanwhile, another resident, William Tanner, is rumored to have been plagued by creatures coming out of the woods at night. <laughs> oh, man. Nearly 50 years later, General Herman Swift lost his wife when she was unexpectedly struck by lightning. And we're in the 1800s now, right? Yes. Okay. It's said that the grief-stricken general died shortly after. With more and more strange reportings, death, and, feel- and failed businesses, the town had become virtually abandoned by the year 1900. Okay. In contrast, 1920s brought about a potential glimmer of positivity for the desolate and seemingly haunted town. Philanth- philanthropists began using the land to reforest after decades of agricultural use that had damaged the soil. Although it's still used for that purpose today, the town's reputation took another bizarre turn. In the uh, in the 1970s, the seemingly haunted town's reputation took another bizarre turn. They they repeat themselves a lot, mm-hmm. like the phrasing. Anyways, declared demonically possessed in the 1700s. That's just the way that was phrased. As make. So I guess somebody is claiming that the town is possessed by demons. Okay. However, the potential glimmer of light... 
Um, so Dark, Dr. William Clark stumbled upon it in 1918 um, and deemed it an ideal vacation home. <laughs> Oddly, his wife also reported creatures in the forest. This pivotal moment oh. seems... So it, it, this is interesting, right? So we're spanning like 300 years. And we're getting a lot of the same stories, you know, a lot of mishappenings, creatures coming out of the forest. I mean, creatures do live in the forest. That's not but, unusual. But a lot of people... Are we people, talking about monsters? Are we talking about Bigfoot? Are we talking about... I mean, that's about, a good question, right? You know, so, so typically, you know, in colonial times, I'm assuming a lot of the people, I mean, this area was pretty rural. Yeah, so I'm sure you they would, were pretty well versed in the natural wildlife that they were so using. So they wouldn't exactly. have called a bear a creature? Right. Okay. Yeah, or they wouldn't have been startled by it, mm-hmm. I would think. Okay. Um, and even nowadays, I mean, if I see a bear, I might be like, whoa, a bear. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be like horrified and yeah. like, we got to move. Sure. So, um, but yes. Okay. So, so creatures were coming out of the forest uh, yep. within the and last And then it kind of goes into, so the reason why it's illegal to visit there is because of the conservation efforts. So it's not uh, because okay. it's so horrifyingly okay. haunted. That people just can't be there, mm-hmm. or but it's for is it? yeah, who knows? Or some some weird stuff could be going on that the the state is involved. I don't know. I'll tell but, you what, um, as a as a hardcore Bigfoot researcher, maybe they the, live there. The government is always associated, like black Chevy Tahoes are always associated with like Bigfoot reports and things like that. Mm. Really? Yeah. So, um. Oh, and then I was also going to say, in one of the articles I read about this, uh, even though it's illegal to visit there, of course, you get teenagers that, you yeah, know, they're going to, they, they stumble upon it, they're going to go see it. Go there, get high, you know. So, yeah, whatever, go, everybody loves a good, or I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of teenagers love a good haunted, haunted house. Haunted house, sure, yeah, it's Make spooky. it an entire haunted town that's been abandoned, mm-hmm. even better. So, a lot of the people that have gone there have reported like phantom hands touching them on the back or like a a very eerie presence like they're you know like they're being grabbed or they're being watched so but i mean to, that's some to, of the to place, modern uh, day devil's reports. advocate or the yeah, skeptic here uh, you and that's not to say that i don't believe that there could be alternative you know uh phenomena and things like that because a lot of things we just don't know about right like there's more things under uh the sun than you can than you've envisioned in your philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Plato or whoever that said that. I know I'm butchering the uh, the statement, but there's obviously a lot we we don't yet understand. It doesn't mean it's supernatural; it just means it's natural and we haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny these things, but uh, you know, for instance, if you see a spider, right, and whether it's crawling up you or somebody else or whatever, all of a sudden now you feel the spider crawling up you, right? Like yeah. who hasn't had this experience? Yeah. Even though there's not actually a spider on you, right? Like it was just your hair moving in the breeze and it brushed across you yeah. or it was the just mind. Your, your, your mind. Yeah. And so if you're in a place that's sort of known for being haunted, it's not unbelievable to, to have the idea that their 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 mind is just yeah. envisioning these things that, that are, is true. aren't actually occurring. Yeah. And I know um, with myself, especially if I'm freaked out. Then I will start to kind of, you know, get that like spooky feeling where it's like, you know, you're thinking things are behind the Mm -hmm. door and you're just waiting for something to maybe jump out at you or you're waiting for something to happen because maybe I watched a horror movie (laughs) or something. Or maybe there's something behind the door waiting to jump out at you and your sixth sense is telling you. Maybe. Who knows? You know, there's a story that we talk about. I talk about UFOs all the time and Mm -hmm. people talk about, well... 
you know, how come, you know, I look at the sky all the time. How come I've never seen a UFO? Well, I don't, I don't think humans see a lot of things. I think if your brain isn't already programmed to understand that, I think your brain just tunes it right out mm-hmm. to the point where it'll just copy and paste some blue sky over the UFO, mm-hmm. which is blatant right yeah. there. And I a, mean, lot, a lot of the best photographs of UFOs ever taken have been taken by soccer moms taking pictures of their kids' they didn't even know games. It. And, they, yeah, yeah, and they didn't know. there it is in the sky, and they didn't see it when they were taking the picture, but it's clearly right there. And one one old adage, and I don't know how true this is, but there's a there's a story where um, there was a, there was a, a native on the shore in Central South America uh, a long time ago, and he saw ripples coming in from his typically sheet of glass calm bay, where mm-hmm. they used to like to collect, you know, sea fish and shells and things like that. You know, shell, shellfish and things. And uh, he couldn't figure out where the ripples were coming from. So he went to town and he got the medicine man, the wise man, and he came down and saw the ripples and contemplated the ripples and followed them back to where they were supposed to be and just concentrated on the spot where they were emanating from. And into his vision came three large sailing ships, which so, they had no type of hmm. uh, reference for until then. Right, right. And yeah. when the wise man said, there are three giant boats out there with giant masts, look, they're right there. At that point, the townspeople who started congregating mm-hmm. started to be able to see them as well. So- you know, I I spent my whole life wanting to see a UFO, and I never did. And then when I finally did, the floodgates opened. I've seen tons of UFOs, and these are verified. I'm not an idiot. I know what an airplane looks like, or and I know what a blimp looks like. This is not that. So, and what you're talking about, it does make sense because we have a very limited um, amount of light that we can see. So That's when true. You, you come across the whole color spectrum or the whole spectrum of light, yeah. Where our vision is very limited. Mm-hmm. Other animals can see a lot more mm-hmm. than we can. And, you know, same with hearing. You know, cats and dogs right. get a lot more. Their their range of frequencies is a lot larger than ours or, or just different than ours. Um, and yeah, when right. when you're using your vision, I think, I forget what the percentage is, but you're only actually seeing a percentage of it's what you're looking small. around yeah. at. It's very small. And the rest of it is your brain making up the rest as you either remember things Mm -hmm. or as it makes sense to you. Mm. So it is very possible that there are a lot of other things going on here that we can't see. I mean, even think of radio waves or frequencies or... Yeah, the visible light spectrum is very, very small. Yeah, you you hear my voice, but you don't see it. Mm -hmm. But is it maybe possible that you could see it if you had your your full, like the full range of vision? Have you ever seen... uh... I don't know what the experiment is called, but have you ever seen where they visualize sound frequencies by putting like sand on yep. top of a speaker? Yeah, or they'll really do cool. it with water. Yeah, water as well. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and they like they tune to just one tone, right? Like one twenty hertz tone or whatever it is, right? And then the sand just reorganizes itself into a pattern. Mm-hmm. Yep, like a very specific visible. It's pattern. so cool. It's Crazy. I mean, they've even done a similar test. Um, it was a it was a Japanese. Um, you talk about the frozen water. The water. Yes, yes, the frozen water. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that wasn't even just sound. I mean, that That's was with just, intention, right? Like, yeah, yeah that was thinking about you know, like I'm happy and I'm looking at this this water, mm-hmm. and then you freeze it, and then it it the way it looked. Well, he was actually was he was different. actually speaking to the water. Yeah. he mm-hmm. was telling one batch of water really sweet loving things as it was freezing and he was telling the other mm. batch of water really abusive yeah. terrible negative things and the way it looked 
correlated. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, the crystalline structure of the yeah. of the freezing wa- of the the pleasant water was pleasant to look at and very pretty uh, crystalline structure. And the crystalline structure of the negatively charged ice was really jagged and mm-hmm. upside down and backwards and really not not healthy looking ice. Yeah, that's why I said before. There's a lot more to this whole experience that we don't even know, mm-hmm. and, and that just normal observation isn't going to uh, isn't going to pick up on. So, was there any more about this haunted town? Not really anything that's relevant. Like, like I it wish... does go into like a lot of the, you know, it goes into. Does what, it go into any of, other... of the stories any deeper? Or is it just sort of like, oh, so and so's wife died, and this other person's business failed, and it's like those things together, at least at the level of detail that they're yeah. giving, aren't exactly like, well, yeah, that's ghosts. Or, <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot really to go on there. Like Matt said, I mean, it's Connecticut. <laughs> you're in the yeah. woods in Connecticut in the 1700s. Of course, there's a good chance your business is going to fail or you're going to catch cholera so or whatever. There, there are a, a few other cases of people, uh, you know, William Tanner dying suddenly. Um, and then before he died, he was rumored to have become obsessed with speaking about the creatures coming out of the woods at night. Mm. A claim also echoed by his neighbor. So it's a lot of like similar stories from just different people. And I, and I for some, for whatever reason, I, I work night shift, so I have sometimes a lot of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. So this was just something that piqued my interest, and I started reading all of these articles, Are and I'm sure watching YouTube Fitzwilliam? videos. Because, you know, in Fitzwilliam, we had creatures coming out of the uh, woods at night. I'm, I'm sure it happens and a I, lot of places. And I, and, I, and I was actually hit by lightning in Fitzwilliam when I'm laying in bed. Right, you and, and you know, and I do, I do believe that certain areas are hot spots. They're charged. Mm-hmm. They're hot spots mm-hmm. for activity. And, you know, sometimes you hear about the theory that a lot of those large cathedrals are the really, really old, holy places. Yeah, they're sitting mm-hmm. on top. They're, of... yeah, they're sitting on top of this really, really densely charged, energetic. And I don't even know how people measure this. I don't know if it's a magnetic thing. I have no clue. But it, it seems like, from what I've heard. There's real scientific ways to measure that these places are just really densely charged Hmm. energetic zones. And that's where certain like the pyramids, um, certain really old churches and cathedrals Mm -hmm. and other holy places. So it just seems like a strange coincidence. And I'm sure there's other places like that, maybe not as intense but I'm sure there are places like that around New Hampshire and around the U.S. Yeah, there's weird esoteric stuff out there that, you know, not a lot of people know about. And you mentioned the pyramids and other places like in South America, temples and things like that. Like there's old societies or whatever from way back in ancient times that and I'm not a by no means am I an expert. If Bonnie were here, she would know more about like where I think some of these things are. But they've seen very similar yeah. symbol symbolism and things like yeah. that, like inscribed in completely different parts of the world. Yeah. And it's yeah. like and where back then, and, and how... the inscriptions are like centuries and centuries and millennia. Yeah, there's old. no way those yeah. people could have known one another. Exactly. They weren't traveling across the ocean. Yeah. There's, at cer- that time. there's certain like monolithic. There was a, like a, a culture of monolithic building. Where nobody really knows how they carved the rocks, and nobody knows how they moved the rocks, mm-hmm. and they bear telltale signs of the same technology, whether it's in India or Japan or or Europe or Egypt or South America or North America. So it's like, how did what? There was clearly a worldwide culture. There mm-hmm. had to be a worldwide culture because they were all using the same exact technology, and we can't still we still can't figure it out now. Yeah, it, it's really interesting to speculate, and I, I like to keep an open mind when it comes to stuff like this because sure. I, I 
I'm not going to pretend like I know because no one could really know any of these things. Yeah, right? And the but most honest thing you can say is all I know is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I always say in regards to religion Science. and anything like that. Yeah. Science There's, just says it knows. Well, do yeah. you really know? You know, and, and science is always changing, you know, with experiments and. Well, that's the original science. Yeah. Now, and now the science the is science settled. science is yeah. settled. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're done with that whole yeah. ca- calling out other hypotheses or theses and you know yep. disproving them. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the science that the the state pays for the the state funded mm-hmm. science, and they yeah, there's a lot of money on this science. Yeah, it's a religion, is what it is. It it's is. a new Absolutely. religion. Um, you know, I like what you were saying uh, uh, before about not being able to see a certain thing, even though it's there. And Bonnie and I w- were just talking about this. I think the easiest way to understand that is like you get a new car or you become aware of a specific model of car that you're interested in and then all of a sudden it yeah. appears yep. right like That's all of true. a sudden it's all over the it's, roads it's, it's on your radar you, you never yeah. noticed it before even though they were there mm-hmm. it just didn't pop out like it it does and then of course you look at movies like they live uh which is yep. a classic john carpenter <laughs> film from the 1980s awesome where flick. when the dude puts on the glasses all of a sudden he can see the way things really are and another uh, variant on that is a movie called Interstate 60 that came out maybe like a decade and a half ago. And it's a really excellent movie that's you know, a, little more, a little more recent. And uh, similarly, the, the main character becomes able to see things that were there, but were just beyond his conception of reality. And then yeah. once, he can, once he can see it, you can't go back. But a lot of you know? people are very absorbed in whatever it is they're doing, you mm-hmm. know? And even if it, you know, the like the daughter's soccer game, you're taking a picture of your kid, you're very absorbed in that moment. Right. And there's a lot going on all of the time. Right. So it's, it's impossible to even tune into any everything that's happening yeah, no around you. You know, it's impossible. I mean, you can take some mushrooms and then you can sort of change your tune a little bit. Yeah. You can you can experience things a little differently. Maybe open your receptors a little bit, but even then, you still can't uh, you still can't see it all. Uh, out of time for tonight, and we will be back tomorrow. I think Jay Noon will be joining us for another live episode of Free Talk Live at that time. And uh, thanks, guys, for joining me on Great your, show. your first Free Talk well, Live. Nice together. to be on as the white husband and wife. All right, out of time tonight. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Social.freetalklive.com for our social site. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our March Toward Liberty in Our Lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com